Tony Dunn, and nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. Hop in the car. We're heading to Panthers minicamp. That's right. The Carolina Panthers are out there doing work. Bryce Young is slinging around. We've got TMJ with the stick on his hands looking good. Stand out. And Brian Burns, the face of the Panthers, really has become the face of the Panthers. We've got all that plus more to talk about with the NFL tonight and how Frank Reich sees this team uh, shaping up as well as some small injuries to deal with. And again, the discussion is J.C. Horn, injury prone. We talked a lot about it on the Friday free-for-all. So hop in the car. We're heading to minicamp. We appreciate you all on the C3 Panthers podcast. My name's Tony Dunn, and I'm rocking with my wheel man, Cody Lashney. Tony Dunn. You already know there is nowhere I'd rather be on a Tuesday night than sitting here with my boys talking Panther football. Man, we always have a ton to talk about, too. Even in the dead of the offseason, when there's not shit going on, leave it to the C3 Panthers podcast. We will find a way to do a four-hour show like it's not an issue at all, dude. You should have seen it last week. You thought we, I mean, I guess we had a little bit more to talk about last week, but the show went like four and a half hours like crazy (laughs) last week, and we missed you. How was the ballet? Oh, it was good, man. I got up on my tippy toes doing some pirouettes. Uh, You know, they tried to make me wear a tutu, but I wouldn't do it, dude. I refused. I have morals. Uh, But you want to know who else has morals? These fantastic Panther fans that bless us with their presence in the YouTube chat every single Tuesday night. You know them and love them. It's our guy, Drew. What's up, Drew? Blind Panther Vlogs, C3D's Ill Skills, Chad Howell, Dan Floyd, Hemlock, Joshua Hall, Justin D. Young. What's up, JD? Kim Sanity, Kristen Ladane. KT Muscles Marinara Paisan. What's up, brother? Smells like blue. Supreme Leader Z. The Anime Roundtable. TJ Tim Estes. Tony Dunn. There ain't nothing to it but to do it. Let's roll. Um, did you know why we caught why we told people you were at the ballet? I have no idea, but I just you have no it. idea. None? <laughs> no. Oh, man. Uh, oh, dude, something about that dude with the big balls or some shit. Yeah, uh, we, we knew you flew to Denmark, uh, and we've changed it. We're we're going, and we'll we'll let you, we'll have the um, listeners continue to give us oh, feedback on this. What kind of show am I a part of? We're, right. we're changing the, um, the dab on them. The name of the award is because it's kind of time to move on from the Cam Newton era to the Bryce Young era. <laughs> but we're we're either we've got two options. We're either changing the dab on them pick of the week to the David Dado ball out award award, or it's the David Dado aka dab on them ball out award. So, uh, dude, uh, I don't know how I feel about this. Triple D ball out. Listen, I'm, this uh, this goes well with your signature saying, Cody. 
about nuts and ants and something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. If you guys say so, man. I'm just hey, I'm uh Hey, I'm down for you're the one that flew all the way to Denmark to see him. CK back in the house. Dad giving babies baths and ready to rock on the C3 Panthers podcast. Welcome back. Thanks, man. I'm just happy to be here. Just, uh, you know, talk about what's going on in the world of the Panthers with you guys. It's a nice little escape for the, you know, day to day. And I'm assuming that's what we're trying to be for all the people in the in the chat room and listening on the road even tomorrow. Um it's a, it's nice to be here and just t- kind of take a break from reality and just be here with you fellas. Greg in the house. What's up, my man? Oh, man, I'm, I'm kind of feeling CK's vibe. That's, that's the idea is just getting away from life right here. It's funny because this is kind of a lull in the season as far as, you know, fans even coming to the show. We have kind of a lower point where not as many fans are live, but I understand because you got to be a real hardcore Panthers fan to be listening to a Panthers podcast at this point in time. And I'm glad we have all these people here. Cause I want to talk about Panthers football. I feel like they just love us. They just want to hang out it. with the boys on a it. Tuesday night, you know, Chill at least, uh, I mean, there is a little bit actual to talk about because of mini camp, but I think is today or tomorrow. The last tomorrow is like the last day. Is it already was over? The first day. I don't, know, dude. I don't remember mini camp ever being this long. It seems like they've been there for like two weeks. There was OTAs uh, the last few weeks, right? Um, And the rookie minicamp before that. But this is the first time. This is the start of minicamp for us was today. Um, So today is the first because this was the mandatory stuff. Everything else has been voluntary um, up to this Mm. point. Do we know who hasn't participated? No, well, for um, us is uh, everybody is we haven't had any like that. Yeah, we I think really- we had a really great uh, turnout too for the OTAs, which it seems like more and more players right. in this world are more interested in being involved rather than not being there, good unless they're trying to make some statement. But we do have some news about Stefan Diggs uh, leaving the mandatory minicamp uh, today, and so we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, shout out to our Paisan Muscles Marinara. Uh, we're going to be prepping for uh, training camp, which is going to be in July. And uh, Muscles Marinara has a beautiful sandwich shop called Monster Sub and Grub. We're going to be doing some plugs for them. And when we go to training camp, we're going to pop in. C3 is going to go and eat at Monster Subs and Grub and maybe even record a podcast while we're there. See if we can continue to arrange all of that. So, look, is it's the C3 Panthers podcast. Jump in the chat. Uh, call into the show at 252-228-5098. Smash the thumbs up button. Subscribe. Consider being a C3 super fan for $1.90 a month. Not $1.99 a month. You can help support the C3 Panthers podcast grow as we continue to do more events like training camp that's on the way and i do want to give one more shout out let me see to jay edwards uh jay edwards became a five dollar patron on patreon guys uh so thank you for your support for all the c3 super fans and people who drop uh super chats who share the link one of the things is like uh these ill skills uh, brand ambassador out there working for us, working hard. All of those small things help us continue to grow. And like uh, Greg said, is while this is the dead time, we don't take time off. We still like to hang out, hang out with all the listeners. 
your input is welcome. Let's go ahead and jump into the show, Cody. All right. From zero to hero. I titled the night, uh, tonight's show, Will the Number Zero Turn Brian Burns Into Our Hero? We've got so much to talk about, but the biggest news that transpired over the course of the past week, something that we all knew was inevitable, Bryce Young has officially been elevated to the number one quarterback spot on the depth chart over Andy Dalton. Uh, I wanted to give us all a minute to react to this news. Again, no big surprise. We knew they were going to give Bryce every opportunity to uh, to win that job, and it looks like he's basically already done so. Um, gentlemen, what are we thinking? Zero surprise. Um, you know, I mean, is look is that uh, they said what that uh, Frank Wright came out and talked about it earlier in the week and said, or last week maybe he said it's just they felt like the time was right. Right. Um, and this was kind of the schedule and the plan, I think, all along. I think uh, what is clear, though, and what I think we have pretty much been echoing, or at least I've been saying on this show, is that you can just go ahead and pencil in Bryce Young as starter week one. Right. Right. There's, I mean, don't even pencil it in, just put it in pen unless some sort of something, a travesty happens or some a crazy thing like that. But Bryce Young, is doing all the right things. He is what they said he was. He is as advertised. If anything, he's just crazily soft-spoken where it's like, why is this child out there playing pro football? <laughs> um, and it is, he's like, Hey, Hey guys, like, uh, Oh, that's two questions. Not one. Uh, I'm Bryce Young. I'm the coolest, nicest kid. It's like the kid that you want your, your son, your children to hang out with. By no trouble, man. no problems. He has been fantastic. And uh, as I just want to put this out there, have you ever that- seen the South Park episode where they where they, they meet the Mormons and the and like the Mormon kids? They're like the nicest, sweetest kids in the world, and they keep trying to find bad things about them, but they just can't. That reminds me of Bryce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's kind of like Nikola. He's like the mini Nikola Jokic, and what I mean by that is Jokic. I heard it was gosh, who is the guy? He got in trouble in college for like stealing a credit card. He has a uh, he was a basketball player. He's got Doug Gottlieb. Doug Gottlieb was a basketball, and he was talking today. I thought he had an interesting take. He was talking about all the great transcendent type players, whether it be Jerry Rice, Jokic. Um, Patrick Mahomes, and they're not. And he even used Cam Newton as an example. Is Cam Newton looks like a the athlete you draw up in the lab? And uh, he said, "This is that." Um, he said, "Look, but this is all the greatest athletes, the guys that can run the fastest, jump the highest. They're not always the greatest player, and it's that special something, that intangible, and that's what we're all banking on Bryce Young having." Yeah, go ahead, CK. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think that Bryce Young is that's all we can hope for. I mean, there's he's I, I've said it before, and I think it's it still stands true. He's the complete opposite of Cam Newton, and um, that was part of the reasons I wanted him. Not that I didn't love Cam Newton, but I was ready for uh, something different. And I think Bryce Young brings that to the table. Um, and I'm ready to see if the Panthers can uh, become an offense that is intelligent enough to where 
they can adapt, which it doesn't feel like we've had in a long time. Yeah. He is the guy that is, um, I mean, he is, you're right. It's the opposite, the polar opposite of Cam Newton in stature, in demeanor, in style, um, and probably style, not probably, and in style of play. And so for all the people that were shitting on Cam for not being that traditional quarterback, this guy's got to deliver. Yeah. And I agree with CK. He is the polar opposite. I've been saying this for a while of Cam Newton and just about any and every way imaginable from the demeanor to the size to the, just the overall play style. But I did want to bring this up, but y'all as soon as this clip came out of Bryce just walking. Uh, everybody was like, damn, Bryce is sticking it up. Look at them legs. Look at them. Sh-. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? This dude still, look, I'm so pumped about Bryce Young this season, but he doesn't look any bigger to me. He still no. looks like a small guy. He did have kind of big legs for his size all along. And you oh. know what? That's important for quarterbacks. A lot of their power comes out, right? Do any of you think that he's put on weight since, like, what, the last time you saw him play college or whatever? Maybe. Sure maybe a hair. Some, but, I mean, I don't think that's anything. I don't think it's enough to where you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, man, he looks thick. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not the yeah. it's not the Tua style. Like what we're seeing with Tua right now, it's not that type of an increase. Can is y'all Tua hear noticeably echo? thicker? Yeah, I don't hear an echo though. You don't hear an no. echo, so maybe it's just me. Okay, I can deal with that. It's just me then. Um, <laughs> hey, I, I wanted to say real quick, this whole thing yeah. with Bryce Young being named number one, it's not surprising. It's just earlier than I thought it would be. Based on the way they were talking whenever they was drafted with Andy Dalton and everything, mm-hmm. I figured they would at least wait till through training camp, even maybe the preseason, before they said, "Okay, this guy's the guy." But it's it's expected, and it should he, be. We traded to get this guy for number one pick. He should be the starter, no matter what. There used to be a great comedian on YouTube. It was a, he was a YouTuber, and he did the Ray Lewis impressions. Do you remember? It would be like Ray Lewis uh, talking to whatever and he was like uh <laughs> and he dressed like ray lewis do you guys not remember that no. where he wore the ray lewis jersey <laughs> and he did uh oh i'm gonna show you i have to show you i'll play just the audio of it but uh he had this great one about steph curry in fact maybe i'll find it but he it reminds me so much of bryce young um so is that he's just so young i mean what is he 21 can he drink yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I paid enough attention to him beforehand to to notice if he's gained any weight or gotten any bigger. To be honest, now to me it was just like all the Panther fans that you know were like trying to say, "Oh, he'll be able to gain weight." Listen, I've already accepted that the dude is small months ago to the point that I'm not even like tripping about him having to gain a ton of weight. Like, if anything, I think that the dude is probably going to be the most successful weighing whatever the hell he does weigh naturally, somewhere between 190 and 200. So I'm not even worried about it. Uh, I do think it'll be hard for him to continue to gain muscle uh, just because his frame isn't necessarily, like, built for that. You don't remember this guy? He looks like Ray Lewis. 
You don't remember that? I, I, I'll probably get demonetized. Let me see if I can yeah, find probably. a way to do this without sharing it. Uh, this is him doing Cam Newton. This was one of my – the Steph Curry one's great. Let me see. Bet you this will work. Also, so anything, anything with, with – uh, Now I hear an echo. Um, hmm. All right. You guys mute your mics, all right? All right. You hear that? No. What are we supposed to be hearing? You can't hear it? No. Oh, never mind. Here, I'm right now. I'll try to record it. Um, all right, keep going while I try to figure this out. Yeah. Um let's move on to the to the next part. Another bit of news. Uh that is definitely worth talking about. It's what we titled the show around tonight. Brian Burns, the first Panther in their history to don the number zero as his number. He changed uh, his number recently. He said that 53 was the number that kind of chose him. He never really chose it. Um, let me see if I can pull up this video of Brian Burns talking about um, changing to the number zero. Yeah, I have it right here. And then we can uh, talk about it. It's new. Uh, there's a lot of new things going on. And um, like I said before, I never really chose 53. 53 kind of chose me. Like I put all the available for work. I put all the available numbers in the hat. I kept picking it. So I was like, I guess that's, I wouldn't touch a ninety. So I was like, all right, fifty-three it is. So that's kind of how that happened. And then with my position, technically, got switched to uh, OLB. It was kind of like, all right, well, not it's like a new beginning. Got Coach Wright, got, got Bryce and shit. So, I mean, shit. got Bryce and whatnot. <laughs> Did you consider any other? All right, Brian like Burns wearing number zero. I like how he said, "I'm not touching number 90. That's pretty yeah. good. Um, 90 was Pep. 99 was KK. At all. first, I felt bad. I didn't like the um, the number at first with the idea of being a pass rusher. But I think in the 3-4, and it just kind of looks pretty cool on him. It mm-hmm. looks cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't know yeah. why, but him with his poses and stuff, I think it is. I think him having symmetry <laughs> with that number is great. Now we hear it okay. if you're playing it. All right, uh, here. This is uh, Ray Lewis' motivational speech on how to stop Steph Curry, and this is the one that reminds me of um, Bryce Young. At some point in your life, you decided you wanted to be an NBA basketball player. Around that same time, you probably prayed that you would grow up to be about six foot two, six foot four, six foot eight if you were selfish. You made it. You got there. You got that. At what point in your life did you accept that you would be dominated by the Golden State Warriors? And they even got Chris Mullen. Somebody has to put a stop to Stephen Curry. I don't care how cute he is. He might look like he's in the third grade, but that man waiting on the perfect opportunity to get you on that basketball court so he can embarrass you. When you see him, you play him soft. He reminds you of your little brother. He reminds you of your little nephew. All bright-eyed and bushy-headed. 
That's called psychological warfare. That man don't even have to practice no more. You on that basketball court running suicides. He in the locker room doing the whip and the nay-nay and pulling that people's shoes. Saying, what a load. <laughs> Not the practice. You sitting in that ice bath. You eating ibuprofens and Advil. He's sitting on the floor Indian style eating chicken nuggets and tater tots out of a lunchbox with Olaf on it. <laughs> Do you want a Bella Snowman? Snap out of it. Uh, Don't let that man control. Uh, uh, I always say that his, his name is Andre Boyd. He doesn't make him anymore, but he had a really good one about stop Cam from dancing, like uh, and like how you have to stop Cam from dancing. And but when he said he's sitting on the he's sitting on the locker room floor, Indian style, eating chicken nuggets and tater tots out of an Olaf lunchbox. That's what I think of when it comes to Bryce Young. Yeah. Uh, as far as the Burns wearing number zero, is that where we're at? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I really do. Uh, he's going to be the first one in Panthers history, not aware of it, but uh, be in the, uh, it's going to be retired probably a zero, hopefully, by the end of his career. Person only, right? Is that yeah, what we're hoping? And, like, uh, and that's the thing is right now there's a part of me, and I'm assuming there's a lot of people out there that are pissed off by this because um, I see you know people just on Twitter complaining about the fact that they just bought uh, his jersey and all that stuff, and now there's there's like this overwhelming amount of people that are just pissed off because of it. Um, and I'm happy that I didn't buy it yet because I think the moment we get news of his extension is when I'm getting the Burns jersey. Well, That's speaking of that news, is that mm-hmm. is in the news is that uh, he is 11th in sacks I read for since uh, 2019 throughout the league. Um, I also read that he wasn't that his run defense isn't that, you know, uh, ultimately um, impressive. But there's been a lot of interest and in, from teams in the past where you go back to reports of right. the Rams wanting to offer like a first or multiple first. I think at one point Green Bay may have been interested or we heard that name. Then uh, he was one of the names on the list that Chicago was hoping to get. And uh, as we traded up from eight to one um, uh, to get Bryce Young. So what this is, is, uh, you know, is that I guess all that's telling us he should be a top. He's going to be paid as a top tier pass rusher. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, I guess the Bosa kid is the only one that might get more money than him right now. Max Crosby, I think, just signed a big deal. Twenty eight million dollars a year or something like that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Brian Burns is in line. And I think this is like the Panthers have, we've talked about this in the past, is the Panthers have no choice but to extend Brian Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, they put themselves in that position for sure. Yeah. And he, is, be, he yeah. has become a very important part of the, of the franchise mm-hmm. on the field. Going back yeah. to when they unveiled the black on the black jerseys, he was the guy that they featured, they have made him in the post-Matt Rule era. He is going to be the face that Shaq Thompson was over the last two years, maybe. He has continued to be a big, important part of the team. He's great behind the camera. He's great uh, behind the microphone. uh, And he's durable, or at least he's been available, unlike J.C. Horn has. And uh, he's important, and we're going to need him to uh, not only – get paid, but play well in this new defense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're listen. He's, 
as you kind of said, he's such an important part of our defense. And like he is our, our pass rush. You know, we had one year of him and Hassan Reddick, but now we're moving him to that outside linebacker position. And, you know, he didn't seem um, like he was, you know, a lot of players are like really choosing to rush, uh, you know, when they want their money, they want it now, or they kind of, you know, they'll, they'll skip all the off season stuff until they get paid. Uh, Brian Burns is not doing that. This is Brian talking a little bit about. Well, he's not um, really doing anything either because he's recovering from that. Well, yeah, he's recovering. But so again, it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, trouble, he was, he one was, half a dozen of the other. He was killing that Spider-Man pose, though. Yeah, I oh, think you're yeah, making dude. a good point. I think you're making a good point. Let's play that clip uh, because uh, it is important the way his attitude is about this. Where, where do things stand with that? Well, with that. We have a conversation. Um, that's about the most I can say about it. When would you like it to be done? I don't have a preference, really. I'm just kind of blessed to be in that, that even in that talk and the opportunity to have that. So, um, all right, now I'm just enjoying the process, enjoying everything that comes with it. I think that's a good – I think you raise a good point about not being in the rush, Cody. But I think at the same time, I, th- I think in many ways is that's because he has all the leverage in this situation. Yeah. So I don't think oh, he, yeah. he knows, look, he's coming off a damn foot injury or surgery and he's still going to get top money. He knows the Panthers need him. He knows the Panthers want him. He wants to be in Carolina right now. It's not like another player that he's got to play hardball to get what he wants out of it. I think that he knows. And, and I think that's a comfort. That's a comfort. And if he is recovering, the good news is, is he's just walking around in plain shoes. Yeah. And you know something else, man? Like right now I have this video of him uh, teaching up YGM. And I mean, he's the OG on the on the squad now. He's the cool guy. He's the big man on campus. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to, you know, but when you're when you're looking for a veteran to look up to, it really does seem like Brian Burns has really taken on one of those veteran leadership roles. For the Panthers, and I love that about him, man. And it's a big year. And to be honest, he's one of the players that I'm most excited for. A lot of people have felt like he was best served as a 3-4 outside linebacker basically since before he was even drafted. And now we're finally going to be using him in that type of scenario. I'm I'm pumped. I'm excited to see what Brian Burns does this season. I'm almost certain that they're going to get the contract done. Uh, before Spartanburg comes around, yeah, this totally, uh, this uh, this does suit his skill set, right? Yeah, and I think that sure. a lot of the DNs coming out of college these days actually have the skill set to play in the three four, unlike in the past, right? In the past, it was hard finding those guys. Ten years ago, you're trying to find big guys that are athletic enough. Now the problem is finding you can find athletic guys, but they're not big enough to play in a four three at times. And Brian Burns has um, not been bad in the 4-3. I mean, obviously, he got over 10 sacks. Uh, He's done everything that was asked and required of him. But now, boy, I mean, he might be able to sit back and really – not sit back, but um, settle in to what his skills really could could benefit him um, and and be very productive. When he was drafted – 
was that the year we made the did we draft him with the understanding we were going to be moving to that hybrid four three three four yeah we i think so that's when ron rivera kind of so he was really me. drafted for a three four style play anyway he's just been playing i wouldn't say out of position but he's been playing in a position that many probably a lot of gms in the nfl wouldn't have started him in right yeah no that's a great point that's a great point and then when you consider uh the news that came out with tommy tremble tommy tremble saying that you know basically as a tight end they would never even teach like the passing concepts like they were not being coached up while matt rule was here in town so you kind of look at all the players on the roster and think like, man, how many dudes have just been criminally underserviced by this dog shit lackluster coaching that we've had for years here in Carolina? Yeah. How many players are playing out of position? How many players haven't been, you know, fine-tuned by their coaches during the season on the details of their positions and, and or just, just not like even getting uh, getting what they could have reaching their potential. Right. That's man, the very end of it is not <laughs> even just a disservice. It's just like, man, you drafted players and we don't think we're ready to write those guys off like a Tommy Tremble, right? You're ready to write these guys off. And you wonder too, is just how much are you really putting them in a position to succeed? And I think that's what Nick Saban always says, like coaching really is, is about putting people in places and giving them a structure to succeed um, as and to reach their potential. It's not teaching. It's like nourishing them. And we didn't have at least, you know, the Tommy Tremble thing just – it really just it, it doesn't even raise red flags. It just finally it tells us what we all thought, yeah. what we all knew. Mm -hmm. And really, the saddest part about it is that it it tells us it was worse than we even really thought in some ways. Mm -hmm. If anything is this is Matt Rule is one of the greatest con men in football. And yeah. still could be, yeah. still is. And can I and, and I will be the first to say that. Um, I don't like what I'm about to say because I don't believe that it's 1000% um, you know, going to put him in the right, but Teddy Bridgewater kind of warned us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he did. He yeah. kind of warned us and you know, we were still in the, you know, honeymoon honeymoon phase of the Matt Rule era. Um, you know, he uh we were like, "All right, he did what we wanted him to do. He wanted we wanted him to get rid of uh, Teddy Bridgewater." Um, and here's the thing. I'm still standing by that. I don't believe that Teddy Bridgewater was an answer. I do think we would have been better off keeping him, even though I did not want that. But right. like we were told, I mean, this is something that he he told us about. And so this is not a surprise. And it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody at this point, because it, it is. The Teddy Bridgewater stuff, CK, was the problem with the comment is it sounds it sounded so ridiculous to think that you aren't practicing those things. Like you were yeah. like, what in the world? Like, it's like, how can you not? And maybe again, you know what we should have, and, and we probably let our, um, fandom petty Bridgewater dislike. Or at yeah. Least myself. I think it's important I, that we add that context. Cause we felt it was like Teddy was once again, trying to make shade. excuses. Yeah. Yeah. Also, also make like, it, yeah. Make, yeah. Make excuses 
for his own lackluster play. And at that Remember, time, he was we were, calling out every he was calling out other players right. and he was calling out the coaches. And it was at the time in the season two where the coaching staff had soured on Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, so you could see that relationship dissipating right before you. And I will be honest is I didn't like Teddy. I still was like, man, we should have rocked with, you know, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I was not uh, that. I didn't think he was great. Mm-hmm. I think really, actually the, argue, the thing that made me the most mad about him was the, the length of the contract. And then, and then just quitting on it after you did three years and big money but the going back to what he was telling us does give us insight. CK, that's a really good point because that's something that college coaches probably don't do as much red zone. You know, it's like, I mean, it's just, they're probably speed, you know, it's just a different way of getting in the end zone than getting up there and saying, we're going to run our best plays. We got to do this. We've got to execute. We got to be all about the clock. We got to all about down and distance. We got, and that's just too advanced. And I think that continues to show that Matt Rule just wasn't a football. He's not a football guy. No, and I mean, Lavar Arrington is the biggest fucking lot. And I like Lavar Arrington. He has a morning show with two cup, uh, two pros and a cup of Joe. I hate the guy that's the Joe, but um, Lavar Arrington is pretty cool. But he was in at Penn State when Matt Rule was there, and he always said, "Man, Matt Rule was like his his like little tutor." Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm also. I'm not. I'm not too big to admit that I owe Teddy an apology. Yeah, because I do. He was right. Uh, I I remember uh, being very bullheaded about how bullshit it was, and you're right, Tony. Like, and how naive we were at the time to to believe that it was impossible for an NFL coach to not have his team practicing red zone. And <laughs> we have, we thought that was like, dude, that is absurd, but we really We're never going to get no, there. So what practice? Yeah. We really had <laughs> no idea the level of incompetency that we were dealing with at the quarterback position. And Teddy did try and tell people, so CK, you are 100% correct. Uh, I do owe him an apology. Many people do. I see a lot of super fans in the chat. I appreciate you guys for being C3 super fans for just a small donation, monthly donation. You can help continue to grow this podcast. we got some really big, this is going to be our biggest season going ahead. And we've got some great uh, surprises that we're working on in the background. And I want to make sure it was either Nirvas or Sideshow Rob. One of them was saying that they want to. And when we talk about the contract, he's saying, let's go ahead and pay this guy. And while we got some empty cap space right now, let's front load this so that Mm -hmm. we're not uh, stuck in two years when Bryce Young is hopefully reaching the apex of his rookie deal with no money. That's the, that's what I was saying last week. I said that um, if we're not going to sign any of these big guys to any major contracts, if that's really not the plan, then don't just go ahead and front load, take all that. Cause I mean, with as much cap as we have, I don't think it's impossible for us to put a pretty large portion of that contract that we're going to most likely offer and put it in the, in this year. And that way we can still have a cheap, um, alternative at defensive line without having that risk of uh, of not you know having two basically we don't want to have a super team and not be able to pay Bryce later on if he does end up balling out you know 
or not be able to put parts around Bryce beyond this year. Right. Is that we've been talking and praising this squad, this, this uh, Scott Fitter and the crew for actually going out and getting some pieces for Bryce Young to work with Miles Sanders, who I'm right right now. I'm of the belief he could be one of the greatest fantasy football steals because I think that they believe my uh, Miles Sanders can be a three down back. I think that's why uh, bringing in a guy like Dalvin cook would not uh, really be a good fit for the Carolina Panthers, mm-hmm. despite him being a very talented player. Redundant. Yeah. And over investing in a position group, But the point being is that, like, we've already put some, you know, we were kind of excited, like, oh, in this offseason, we brought in some pieces on the offense to help this rookie quarterback acclimate and maybe even succeed in his rookie year. But you don't want him to really be hitting his stride in year three and you not have the money to go out and get – I already saw somebody putting out there, Stefan Diggs, a Carolina Panther next year. I don't know about that. I'm serious with that. Go ahead, Greg. Go ahead. If, if Bryce Young looks good, it's going to attract more free agents to want to come here. Like, if he looks really good this season and there's a hot wide receiver that's, that, you know, a free agent next year looking for a trade, it'll make Carolina a much more desirable place for them to be. I don't want Diggs right now. I feel like we're going to be on the back end of Diggs. I want want to draft the guy. I want Mingo to be the guy. Yeah, no, I I, I love what Greg just said. We need to get younger, and we need to continue to draft well. Like, we have to find these guys and get them on rookie contracts. And I do want to talk a little bit about contracts in a minute because you're talking about, you know, not having that super team uh, amount of dollars on your salary cap, you know, and not being able to pay Bryce, which we're going to, if Bryce is good, we're going to pay Bryce no matter sure. what. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, speaking about Bryce, before we get to that, uh, Brian Burns, dude, Brian Burns, how about this? Brian Burns is the most charismatic interview on our team by far. Yeah. Like whenever you listen to him, he's easily the most fun to listen to. He's having fun with the reporters. Uh, but uh, my man was feeling loose today, had on his cool sunglasses, and he was asked about Bryce Young. And this is what uh, he had to say about his brand-new quarterback. You talked about all Shout-out to uh, Vashti Hurt at Carolina Blitz for the video. The change, what are your early impressions of Bryce? I know it's the other side of the ball. But... I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, though. I don't like him. I just saying. <laughs> it's hard not to like that kid. Um, I don't know. He he put he put quite a stamp on on on, uh, on the locker room. Uh, he walks around with this kind of kind of humble. Excuse my language. Like humble, but I know I'm the shit. Like type of type of swag. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he know he got it, but he's humble with it. And he's always like, uh, he's always happy. I don't know. It's, <laughs> I mean, always know. happy. I think he's comfortable in his skin. That's one thing that I like about Bryce. And Bryce Young is also one of those people who um, I believe is is naturally cool. And what I mean by that is, is like if you try to be cool, you ain't cool, right? If you have to try to look fly, you don't look fly. The people that are cool just are cool. Mm-hmm. They don't try. Yeah. And I think that's when he when he's saying, hey, um, this guy is humble, 
but he knows he's the shit. That's confidence. That's where the difference between confidence and arrogance and cockiness are. He should be confident too. I mean, based on what we've seen from him so far, there's nothing that stopped him. Every every obstacle in his way, yeah. he's gone past. He's the number one so pick. He, he should be as confident as he can be coming in. I hope he is. I really do. Um, just it's going to be different in the NFL. I yeah. think we're going to see how he does. I think he's going to do well. Hey, uh, CK, our favorite Paisan. He's at the gym working out, but you found some time to become a brand new member. Why don't you welcome that man? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, Muscles Marinara, working on the muscles, is in the gym watching C3 and still found the time to hit that join button. He became a C3 super fan, and we should all welcome him to this elite club of human beings who want to help C3 continue to grow and support so we can actually improve the quality and maybe even get a nice little podcast episode out of his restaurant down in Spartanburg. Ooh, Welcome to the club. I'm, I'm craving me a meatball sub, baby. Shout out to Muscles Marinara. Um, but yeah, one of the things that, that uh, you guys have kind of brought up too, and uh, it, it brings to my mind the importance of what this season is going to mean for so many different players on our defense because so many players are coming up to their contract. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Jeremy Chen. We're talking about Derek Brown. Then you're going to add the money that we're going to pay to Brian Burns. And all of a sudden, with just those three contracts, you're looking at a pretty penny. And then, by the way, next year, you'll be able to pick up the fifth-year option on JC. But, uh, you know, there's that's in short order. He's going to come around, too. And I just want to warn people, man. Like, I don't necessarily know if every single guy is going to make, make that cut. That's why this year is going to be so important. And specifically, the player that I'm talking about is Jeremy Chin. I mean, we're going into, what, his fourth year? And as a podcast, we're still not entirely sure what position Jeremy Chin is best suited to play. Now, this defensive staff feels like they have an idea for how they want to use him. But it's going to be really important this year what kind of level of play he's able to produce. Because I'm going to be honest, I I don't know if he's going to get top safety dollars here in Carolina for, you know, let's say balls out this year for one great year. Yeah, they might pay him, but then it's like, who do you prioritize more? Jeremy Chin or Derek Brown? who is literally the monster in the middle of your defense hmm. that everything kind of flows around. So a lot of very interesting questions that are going to play out this year on defense. I think it's more than one year with Chen, though. He had a pretty good rookie year, too, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Year was yeah, only yeah. Great year, really. I mean, yeah. Oh, uh, no, his second year was very good. It just he's was never so been hard bad. to eclipse that first year. Yeah. And then it's kind of like Jamar Chase's sophomore season. Yeah. You know, it's like hard. Like, how can you eclipse 1,600 yards and whatever thousand million touchdowns he had? Chen was just, I mean, he had two touchdowns in one game in like his rookie plays, year. Think, like, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, something yeah. like that. And uh, he was just incredible. 
And then last year, I know he was working through some injuries, right? And, you know, is that you wonder how much uh, all of those factors, if we're talking about Tommy Tremble and them not thriving, you know, could we say something similar for a guy like Jeremy Chin? We can, and I'm going to tell you why we can, is because this dumb coaching staff that we had, when he had such a great rookie year, the next year they moved him out of that position. Like it was, they wanted to use him in a more versatile. So he moved, they moved him to safety at that point. He had one of the, like he had a great rookie season and you decide to move him out of that position. Like he was so valuable and, and, and just playing up close to the line in that uh, linebacker position, I believe they had him at. And you, to make a decision like that, that just, that's like basically telling me that you're going to move Brian Burns from pass rush to I'm just going to be a coverage linebacker, right? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And th- I think what we're going to come back to with is what Cody is saying is like uh, one of these guys. Remember, Dave Gettleman said sometimes you have to let a big dog walk, right? Mm-hmm. It's like there's just only so much money to go around, or at least that's the Carolina that we're used to, right? We're used to living in a Carolina Panther world where we don't get all the cool shit. So, like, we're not going to be able to have all these nice things. The question is, what is the more expensive, the most expensive of the position groups? And also, what is the hardest to replace via draft, via free agency? And can you get a player like maybe Von Bell is, you know, and what is the drop-off between that and – I don't know a a veteran who was. Remember, we got that one veteran tackle from uh, Tennessee. I forget what his name was, and he was okay. wasn't great. It's two years ago. It was Matt Rule's rookie season. We got some guy, and he was a big. He was a little bit older. I forget his name. But the point is, is like, is it going to be harder to replace Derek Brown? Is it going to be harder to replace Jeremy Chin? Is it going to be harder to replace J.C. Horn? And right now. The easiest one to replace out of them is J.C. Horn because he's always hurt. Well, I I think you can make the case that the Panthers have already kind of started to prepare for life after Jeremy Chin with the drafting of Jamie Robinson in the fourth round. And Von Bell. And 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 some of these safeties. We really loaded up up on, on, on safety, and I think it's much easier to replace the safety position than it is a a premier defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and don't get me wrong, it's a big year for Derek Brown, too, because he, he was great last year in terms of pressures and you know getting in the backfield. PFF had him ranked their number seven defensive tackle in all the NFL. But, you know, Dexter Lawrence, the uh, defensive tackle for the Giants, he went to Clemson. Uh, he's a badass man. He just got paid up in New York, and it's like, man, he got paid buku buku bucks. Yeah, and he it's might like, be man. the hardest to keep. Derek Brown is because it's expensive, but it's also one of those. It seems like it's one of the more replaceable positions. It seems like every year there's some new defensive tackle coming out of college that is pretty damn talented. Now you might have to get him in the top ten. But the one thing, my last point about Jeremy Chin is that I'm I'm very curious to see what he looks like in this defense. Right. Because, I, I mean, I don't know 
what this defense – I don't know. We're going to learn a lot. This is going to be a fun season for the podcast when it comes to looking mm-hmm. at the Panthers' defense because we're just going to be learning about a 3-4. We're going to be learning about Ajiro Evero's style, and it's going to be, I think, such a different – it's going to be so – I don't know if refreshing is the right word, but it's just going to be such a different thing than we're accustomed to. And I'm curious to see – is something like Shaq Thompson, Luvu, and Jeremy Chin as a linebacking core, could that truly work? And maybe it can. Yeah. Maybe it can. Maybe you're just like the fastest fucking defense with Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, uh, Luvu. Luvu's fast, dude. Like, you know but, what I'm saying? It's like yeah. these guys can play. And if, if you're <clears throat> in that, I wonder, do the linebackers in a 3-4 – beyond the outside, beyond those pass rushing ones. Do they have a lot more coverage responsibilities? We'll have to be – I'll be curious to see how Shaq Thompson's position is different, well, how Frankie Louvu's position is different than last year. Well, yeah. They have Shaq playing inside linebacker. That's where he's yeah. listed as. If you do that with Chin and you put him as a linebacker, isn't that doing exactly what we just got on to Matt Rule about with Jeremy Chin? We saw him play a great as a safety, so why put him anywhere else? I, to be honest, I don't know what position Jeremy Chin has played. That's so what I'm Jeremy, saying. I don't know if Jeremy, it was like when you say he played linebacker, I'm like, Jeremy. what year was that? When you say you played safety, I'm like, what year was that? I don't know. <laughs> That's yeah, Jeremy Chin like, played – Jeremy Chin played close to the line, and he did not play coverage safety very often at the position that he was at, right? Okay. So that's what I'm saying is, like, you moved him from that into, like, a full-on, like, safety position, and they moved him off of the line. Okay. Um, and I think that when you look at those impact plays that he had, let's go to that Washington game where he had those back-to-back uh, fumble recoveries. He was playing close to the line, and he was able to impact the run game. Minnesota. No, was it was Minnesota. Uh, it was – no, no, because we lost to – uh, we were about to win that, and we still lost, even though Jeremy Chen did that. I swear uh, it was Minnesota, where Cousins beat us on the fourth down drive, and Jeremy Chen scored more than our offense. Oh, you might be right. I I swore it was uh, sounds Washington, Panthers. but yeah, now that you're saying that, it does sound like it was Minnesota. JJ with the 199 says Jeremy Chen is cooked with keeping Burns and Brown. And that's kind of the point that I've been making, man. I swear. I do not have an anti-Jeremy Chin agenda. I'm saying up to this point in his career, other than one good rookie season, he has not been truly elite at any position that he's played. Now, there's a lot that goes into that. You can say the coaching, Phil Snow, all these other different issues that the C3 Panthers podcast broke a lot of that inside news pertaining to that last season. Oh, that's right. I've almost forgotten that. That feels like... um... Doesn't that almost years feel like a ago. million years ago? It, it, it is a million years ago in my it mind. It was just last season. Yeah. and But when you remember all that stuff, he was having gripes with how Phil Snow was playing him in his defense and that he was almost moving around too much. So uh, it's going to be so interesting to see what specific game plan Ejiro Rivero has for Jeremy Chen. But the point, the overall point, that I was making is as of right now, Jeremy Chin is the odd man out in that equation. You're right, but he might be the actual easiest one to keep. Right? Is yeah, that I mean, because like, is he truly gonna command a bunch of money in free agency? 
I think and when we go back and talk over. about when we talk about uh, Shaq Thompson saying, "Oh, he took the team discount and all of this," he was pretty clear that he said nobody's getting paid in free agency as a linebacker. So it was not like he was adverse to listening to somebody paying him the money, right? Right? Is like is that is Jeremy Chin going to be able to have the monetary leverage on us that a Derek Brown or even sadly J.C. Horn will have? Because of just the position group. So I'm almost saying this is like, he, you're right, that he's probably the odd, he's, he could be, he seems like the odd man out at this point, but he might be the most realistic of actually keeping because you're not going to have to pay him, Bukus. Yeah, but I also feel like you're going to have a team like the, the Eagles, the Bills, the Chiefs, these really good football teams that are going to be able to say, yeah, you know what, we're willing to overpay a little bit because we already have a damn good football team. We know you're athletic as hell. Come here, and you're going to be able to produce for us. Whereas I feel like the market... You the know, Chiefs the market, does seem like a... That, yeah, that actually, when saying. you say that, it sounds like... Remember when the Honey Badger went there? There's been a couple of guys that yeah. did that. And to be Underappreciated honest, players go to contenders. And they and, don't have to overpay. When you're the Chiefs, you right. don't have to overpay. You're like, hey, man, we're going right. to win Super Bowl. Like, we'll pay you whatever. Yeah. And you're like, Come sure. hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so <laughs> Come that, to the that, barbecue with Andy Reid. Right. So that's what I'm saying. It doesn't, it doesn't seem that likely. And by the way, uh, to use a Dave Gettleman term, Dave Gettleman would talk about players who get their first kick of the can. And he would talk about the first time you know you can sign your your second contract in the NFL, you don't know how many more of those you're gonna get. Mm-mm. You're you're fighting for literally as much money as humanly possible. And I think a lot of Panther fans are naive with this. Oh, they'll take a hometown discount because yeah. they want to stay here with the Panthers. It's like, yeah, they dude, only they, do that if they nailed a giant deal like Shaq Thompson already Yeah, did. dude, they can that love or- the place that they're in, and they're still going to go for wherever the money is even bigger. I, I disagree to some, to some piece of that. Um, I think there is some value in not uprooting, uprooting your yourself and your family and stuff, especially if you've already got – um, a house and let's say you've li- you're living in Charlotte now, right? The idea of now having to sell that house, buy another house, maybe go to a place like California where the cost make of living a bazillion is- dollars on yep. your house in Charlotte. Well, maybe, but you know, it's, it depends upon the circumstance right now. The market is going down depends upon when they bought it. Right. right. But I mean, even when you think about that, you think about the cost of living in Charlotte compared to say uh, Los Angeles or uh, oh, any of these true, other big, true. you know, you're 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 talking I'll be about going to Florida and Texas right. with them income taxes, right? You're talking about a completely. No, I'm not saying that it's still not an attractive situation for them to go into, but I'm just saying I think hometown discount doesn't just just mean hometown because they want to stay here and be a part of this team, but I think it also has to do with the fact that there's a lot of things that go into switching teams, and now you have to worry about, um, you know, all those, uh, you know, hopefully that you're going to have the jersey sales that you want, and hopefully you're going to have the market of, uh, of, you know, s- sponsorships that you want, right. You might not have that option available in those markets because they may already be taken up by their stars in those locations. I think the one that when we talk about them, that's such a fan. It's so fan steeped in the fan perspective. When we talk about like, Oh, well, man, like stay with the familiar place and this and right. that. And like, and it also, I feel is also steeped in the regular man perspective. And that is like, we make, 
regular people, common people money. But like a 20% pay increase, if a, you would you take a job that said, hey, I'll give you a 20% pay increase to go from this college to that college. And I'm sitting there going, that's what's good. That, you know, kids, sorry. Sorry, kids, we're changing schools. And people go, oh, well, it's just a million. It's just a this. I do think we probably, if I'm a player, and you're thinking about those factors, CK, though, I do think the tax bracket bracket probably really yeah. should be some sort of factor. I saw somebody no, talking about what, and I don't know if it was a Houston player. I mean, it was somebody from the uh, from Texas or from Florida, but they were talking about their deal, and they said, hey, this is like, look, he's going to make $28 million next year or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's going to pay $12 million in federal taxes. Mm-hmm. And he's going to pay zero in state taxes. Like you think about what that is and you go to North to a different state of like, what is the state income tax? What a benefit of being in Florida. Oh yeah. All those taxes, states, Texas, uh, Florida. Yeah. That's yeah. It's a, it's a real, it's a real thing. Players wanting, wanting to play, in those states. Uh, by the way, CK, JJ. Ladies and gentlemen, JJ has also hit that join button. For $1.99, he has become a C3 super fan. He wants to support the podcast. I'm hoping that a couple of you will like to do the same, but if not, just hit that like button. I'll say shame you a little bit later, but I appreciate you, JJ. Welcome to the C3 super fan club. Hey, shout out my guy, JJ, the man of many jerseys. Um, I wanted to ask DK this before we move on, just while we're on the tax thing. He's the one that probably is the best with money, I feel like, out of our group. Um, He's the master of coin over here. Yeah. uh, So one of the things in the the field I'm in, uh, people like to work for the state of North Carolina, particularly if they live in a place like Charlotte, somewhere near the border. So they'll work and they'll catch retirement in North Carolina. And if they're young enough, they try to double dip retirement and like Mm. go get 10 years or 15 years still. Like my wife is going to be able to retire at 52 uh, with her 30 years. So she could have a state. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So she's going to get her full retirement. I think maybe she might actually run into some problems because she's too young. I think there's actually an age you have to hit too. But some people will then go to, they live close to the border and they'll go teach in Virginia for a while, or they'll go to South Carolina and they try to take advantage of additional benefits, particularly if you could get vested for double health insurance and some whatever. When you teach, if if you lived in Waxhaw, like right on the border, and then you went to and worked in South Carolina, say in their school system, which not many people probably would. Do you have to pay two state income taxes? Um, yeah, if you're working in those states, you do. Like, every like time- if you're working in uh, South Carolina, but living in North Carolina, do you only pay the income tax to South Carolina, or so do you get you or does to, North you, Carolina hits you too? A lot of a lot of states require that you pay in both. Yuck! Yuck! Yeah. So like. Like, so my, my buddy, he's an electrician, so he would sometimes have to be going down to North Carolina 
um, for a job or whatnot, and he would be taxed in both Virginia and North Carolina for their uh, their payroll tax. That's just for income, though, right? That's not for income, property yeah, yeah. and everything else, okay. no. right? But income still, like that's like, I mean, gosh, that's a, it's going to devastate you anyway. All right. Well, I mean, it depends on what you make in the other state. If you don't make a lot of money, you're not going to get taxed that ton of money, right? Right. You know? All right. Yeah. Uh, what's chat next? room is saying yes. Yeah, you're not going to make a uh, hundred thousand of both states. I don't think. If you are, then better. Yeah, more power to you. Yeah. But. Uh, next up, uh. Our guy Jonathan Mingo has signed his new deal, signing his contract with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, that means there's only one down. Bryce Young is the only one left to sign. Uh, essentially, the Panthers signed their draft picks in reverse order of the way they were drafted. Right? Was it Jamie that signed his like on day one? Yeah, and, yeah, and then um, then DJ. Uh, or no, no, then, uh, then it was, yeah, it was, uh, then DJ, then Chandler Zavala, and then now, uh, Mingo. I still am, uh, I still want to know, like, we need to get an agent on this show and tell us what the fuck under this CBA they're waiting on. Like, uh, cause yeah, the, the CBA seems negotiated. so structured. I know it's, it's like, when the payments are allocated, it's like PTO. You're like negotiating, like, do I get a child involvement right. leave or some shit like that with your kids? Or is that, but it seems so small. And Bryce Young has not signed. And is there any risk of him practicing? I, mean, I guess not. I mean, it's not like the Panthers, whatever. It's like, I mean, unless he got hit by a meteor and like uh, his legs got chopped off or something. Right. I mean, I, I wonder what what I've, the- what I've seen happen, um, and this is just from my my recollection of uh, of what happened with Joey Bosa, um, was it was about the guaranteed money, I think, or or signing bonus or whatnot. It was one of those things that I, I, I guess is not a guarantee with the rookie contracts. So, but it might be the signing bonus if if that was how much of that's going to be front loaded, like instead of it being back loaded. We got a big time tax policy show. So we've had two shows. Uh, this is remember last year when we, or when we were talking about the the turf, and we mm-hmm. had like a oh we had what, show. oh yeah whatever happened to old boy he was in here every week yeah 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 he he also uh, donated a ton to our uh, uh, Bradley Bozeman charity thing yeah yep. yeah yep. that's yeah, right so that, everybody's gonna don't worry is everybody's gonna get. They're taking their vacation time right now. Yeah, yeah. sometimes you just need to take out. a break from football, you know. Yeah, uh, which yeah. we understand, you know, and that includes talk shows and whatnot. I go on those little, uh, uh, those little hiatuses from many of the shows that I would watch too. So yeah, I go on binges myself. And uh, while we're talking about Mango right here, he has disappeared from the talk, and it has been Terrace Marshall Jr. Terrace Marshall Jr. all over the place. Yeah, and just today. Uh, uh, D, uh, Bryce Young, he dropped a bomb, a deep bomb downfield to Terrace Marshall Jr. in the back of the end zone. So it, we're always kind of starting to see that connection, you know. And, and I, I've been a predictor that Terrace Marshall Jr. was going to be our number one wide receiver this year, but um. Yeah, it, uh, that is a good question that I am about to put in the chat. Where does Jonathan Mingo fit into this? Is he a wide receiver 
two, three, four. Well, like the good news is we don't have to rush him along, particularly. Man, wouldn't it be the greatest blessing if Terrace Marshall Jr. turned out? The problem would be is like how much would it what if he really turns out and then you're adding him to the list of names of Derek Brown and JC Horn and Jeremy right. Chin and this and that is like uh that if he balls out, he could he needs to ball out so he can make some money, right? I mean, this is an important year for him. I think he's in either the second to last year of his rookie deal. Um, so this is an important year. And look, I think uh, we've seen him on social media, the way he's been training, the way they've he's been presenting himself has been very focused. You talked about Adam Thielen just raving about the rookies. I think it's not just about the rookies. I think he was probably talking about Bryce Young a lot, but I think it's these younger players, probably a Terrace Marshall Jr. And it seems like he's hungry. It seems like he's focused. Yeah. And I think Terrace Marshall Jr. is taking a, an approach right here is that, like, don't forget about me. I'm good. Like, I, I am what Cody said I am. And I know that more than any of these fools know it. And it's my time to really get shit done. And so I'm really excited about Terrace Marshall Jr. right now. And Cody, the one ball, I didn't. they didn't have it on video, the deep one. But there was one floating around, and I would say uh, it's the pass with the most zip I've seen from By Bryce Young throw. At a, and, and I know these are camps. Look, they're not even rushed. Like, if you look at Bryce Young, and I don't want people to be like, oh, he's so – I mean, he is. Right. We think he is, all these things. But they're like, look at him going through – the whole point of these practices is going through the reads. You can see the coach on the back, on the side, like, basically tell him, one – like helping them time and things, but this ball is finally moving. That's the most I've seen a ball move from Bryce Young so far. Oh yeah. And by the way, Terrace Marshall Jr. Boom. Yeah. Getting tough. the hands Good out. Catch. Good catch. And get, yeah. And getting the feet in. Hey, uh, I mean, yes, listen, they, they've been talking about TMJ having stick them. Like basically looks like he's just got natural stick them. Just the ball is holding on to his hands no matter what. Like, I, listen, I have, oh, look uh, at the first down marker here. This is really yeah. interesting play. I haven't looked at it this close. Like, so does that mean they're moving the sticks right there? It looks like that's what they're like, maybe practicing a third down route, right. trying to get a first down here. And I, what I love about this pass, guys, is that if you think about how you throw this in the NFL, is it needs to be like that. It needs to be difficult for his own receiver to kind of catch. Mm -hmm. because that's a pick six if it's thrown wrong. Watch how fast he checks his reads right here. Just look at, look at his head after the snap. Watch this. I'm impressed with this. This is a third down play, I bet. Look, bam, 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 bam. Like, that was pretty fast <laughs> to go back and forth yeah. and read the, read the field impressed. like that. And that CK, impressive. you have been talking about Terrace Marshall Jr. being the breakout guy. I think you're right. And I'm so mad that I'm so ahead I'm always early to the party on this shit. I was listening to Cody fucking, oh, man, Terrence Marshall Jr. is going to bust out. He's going to be so credible, and I drafted him real late in my in my keeper league. Mm -hmm. Didn't do shit. I ended up having to, you know, I had to let him go because of injuries and shit like that. But, yeah, I mean, this is that's the type of player trying to hit a gym late in those late rounds on the keeper and then him blow up right now. It could be Terrence Marshall's year. Yeah. I absolutely think it could be uh, 
Terrace Marshall this year. I've been predicting that this guy is the number one in our offense. He's always had number one wide receiver potential. And we've talked to a little bit before about is the receiving core below average? Is it above average? You know, uh, are they injury prone? All this other shit, right? But and you've man, been like, defending them. Yes. And I think that if you get the most out of these guys, this is the most athletic receiving core that the Panthers have had maybe ever. I mean, again, I know you've had some great ones, you know, Steve Smith, Moose, but I'm talking just about young, fast, big, explosive, tall, catch radius, like all of the things that you want in a wide receiver. These guys have that in abundance. Terrace Marshall Jr., DJ Chark. Now you add Jonathan Mango to that mix. Now you add a young rookie quarterback that's dynamic enough to be able to spread the ball around. And that's what he did at Alabama. They didn't have that number one wide receiver for the Crimson Tide last year. They had to spread the ball around. And that's what Bryce Young is good at doing. You see him going through his progressions, lightning fast, as Greg pointed out. I am far more worried about the Panthers' defense than I am the Panthers' offense. And uh, as I sit here before you today, on what's today's date? Uh, the, the 13th it is a uh, Tuesday, and I am sitting here telling you, I think this offense can be prolific, that we can really do some damage this year. And I've said that for a while. And, and I really think that you're starting to see the the blossoming of something that's going to be really special for the Panthers this year. Somebody brought this up to me on Twitter. I'm going to have to go track it down. I want to give them credit. I think it was uh, last week when we did the, I asked the audience, I asked people on Twitter what we should be talking about because uh, you weren't here, the ballet. We didn't know enough about the ballet to really <laughs> fill the show with that stuff. But uh, they brought up this is that, they said, compare Masin Muhammad and Terrace Marshall Jr. Both foot, both 6'2 receivers, both speed, but big in size, fast enough. Um, Muhammad Moose was listed at 215 pounds, according to Pro Football Reference. Terrace Marshall Jr., they have him listed at 200. We're interested, you know what I mean, as he grows into a man. I mean, I think 215, 210 is reasonable for him. That, like, that he looks, I think it's a good point, is that they are sort of resemblant, at least in their stature to me in some ways. Masin Muhammad, year three, this is how his, his career went. He went 407 yards, one touchdown his rookie year. His second year, Moose had 317 yards in 1997. Uh, and... No touchdowns, 98, 941 yards, and six touchdowns. That's year three for him. Terrace Marshall Jr. is entering three. Year three, he had 490 yards and one touchdown in his second season. Moose had 317 and zero. Could this be the 1998 Masin Muhammad run for Terrace Marshall Jr. If Terrace Marshall Jr. puts up 941 yards and six touchdowns, you'll be jumping for joy. By the way, year four for Moose, 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. 
Imagine if they had the same trajectory. That would be incredible. That, that's what we have to do. We have to start. We're beginning the TMJ for Moose campaign. We got to come up with a good name for it. We got to figure out a way. This is the Moose Knuckle year or something. What something? We got to get something. That's uh uh Moose and Marshall Jr. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Uh chat. Get on that, and we'll also let's try to debut those. Hit those up uh, on Twitter at, at cat underscore chronicles or drop them in the Discord. You can find the Discord link in the show notes. The C3, uh, the Panthers chat on Discord is, is really fun. It's a great place to go hang out if you like to just talk Panther uh, content. But the link is in the description, by the way, to the Discord, so peep that. We can get maybe uh, we need a hashtag for this. So let's start working on this, uh, Panther Nation. Let's start working on the hashtag of comp- something. We got to figure it out. MTM something. You tell us what the hashtag is, what the name of the campaign is, because if we can get year three, Musim Muhammad in year three of Terrace Marshall Jr., we're talking almost a thousand yard receiver and six touchdowns. I love it. I like this from JJ. TMJ is filling the moose tracks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like an yeah, ice cream. Man. Yeah, I do. By the way, one of my favorite kinds of ice cream. All right. Uh, what's next? Uh, Terrace yeah. Marshall Jr. on his way, hopefully. And look, uh, Moose had a really prolific career. He had one, two, he only had three years of a uh, thousand yard seasons. Moose was a touchdown, man. And I see this is what I want Terrace Marshall Jr. to be. Maybe this is what he, he needs to learn from Thielen. If Andy Dalton is the tutor of Bryce Young, Thielen needs to be the Terrace Marshall Jr. tutor. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Frank Reich has said that Adam Thielen, he's the leader in the locker room. And yeah, Pop, if you're still here, we are going to play that. We're going to talk about Adam Thielen. Uh, that, that's going to be a great discussion. But this next segment, Tony, you put this out on Twitter. It and got some a, good tracks. People like it. Did. it and it's a little bit of a blast from the past. And it'll be interesting to see what people have to say about it. Who was worse? You know, we always do the who's best, right? Yeah, but I mean, now we're doing who was worse for the Carolina Panthers. And we got two bad ones, okay? Matt Khalil or Byron Bell. Put put the last name in the chat, chat. Let me, yeah. uh, yeah. We, we, could we, do we, we A and hear. B, uh, A for Matt Khalil, B for uh, Byron Bell. You could do MKBB. You can do their names in the chat. Who was worse? My friend, I've been going on pirate radio now for almost as long as I've been doing, you know, what the podcast is 11 year, 11th year. So I'm in nine or 10 of going on Fridays and talking Panthers football on pirate radio with my boy, uh, clip Brock. You can check me out at 4 PM on PRL live. They broadcast that also on YouTube, Facebook, and different things it's out of Greenville. And we do a basically an hour long segment on Panthers half on Panthers, half on the NFL in general. 
And he always brings up me just lambasting Byron Bell. Like he was always like, you were so unf- almost to the point you were so mean, Tony, to this guy on this show that it was, it felt exaggerated. It felt over the top. That's how I felt according to Clip Brock about Byron Bell. But I fucking hate Matt Khalil even more. I feel like Matt Khalil set us back way worse than Byron Bell did. Yes, yes. You asked Byron Bell to do something he wasn't qualified to do, and then he was bad at it. So Byron Bell played pretty. He was okay at guard. I think he was okay at right tackle. You put him on the left side, and this is when I think this was a Dave Gettleman thing or Ron Rivera, and they said, remember they said he's left-handed? Wasn't that Byron Bell? They go, oh, he's left-handed. It's going to be his natural position. Yeah. He got, but it's one thing. It's like, it's like me putting me out on NFL field and saying, oh, well, look at him. Tony just sucks at quarterback. Well, no shit. I don't, not supposed to be playing quarterback in the NFL. Byron Bell was asked to do more than he was capable of. Matt Khalil just stole a bunch of billion dollars from us. I always said this is they should make him pick pick up trash after the games in the stands. You're paying him $55 million. Fucking, I'm going to not let you just go and cheer in the locker room. Fuck that. You're picking up trash because that's what you were putting down. Well, how does uh, our, our guy Pat Coltrane calls it? Nephutism. All oh, right. Man. We had Ryan Khalil on the team. and He was, uh, he was advocating for this. Yeah, that he wanted to have his little brother play on the same team as him. He was a former number four overall pick. And yeah, we gave him so much money. But it's funny that you bring up these two, Tony, because if you were a fan when these two dudes were playing, like they were so, dude, these two dudes were hated amongst Panther fans. Uh, they didn't want, uh, you know, to to see this man, either of these men, out on the field for a single snap because they were turnstiles. They were constantly getting their ass whipped. I still you know, think I Khalil saw, was worse. I, I think saw even somebody Khalil was on worse Twitter left tackle even. Yeah, I saw somebody on Twitter say, "Well, at least Byron Bell could play other positions. Like he could play tackle. I mean, yeah, he could play tackle." He could play a little bit at guard, but I mean, for we didn't uh, pay a, him, we didn't pay Byron Bell yeah. a lot of money. We paid Matt Khalil a ton of money. And you know, Byron Bell went and played for the Dallas Cowboys a little bit. Where the hell is Matt Khalil? Right? Like, I mean, where is he? Is he in the NFL anymore? And him He's and his brother living with that generational wealth we paid him. Yeah, his brother took a lot of money from the NFL, and I'm not gonna. Ryan was good though. Like, he was Ryan good was... for us, but he went and signed that one. Do you remember he retired? Yeah, and then he went to the Jets and yeah, just... and signed like a third. He was like, you know what? I'll take 13 million. Yeah. And they both went on and started a fucking movie production company. Oh, yeah, Ryan but... is Matt Khalil a part of that? Yeah, I think, I think so. it's them together. I think it's brothers together, uh, both of them. Uh, by the way, uh, I might be wrong on that. 86 percent of the chat is uh has voted for Matt Khalil. So we were that... so mean to Byron Bell though. So think about that is think of when you say both were hated Cody, 
they Byron Bell was like my friend said, it was like almost unfair. It was the hatred was so visceral. It was un and then just think this. We dislike Matt Khalil even more. <laughs> yeah, that's Dude, he was so bad, man. He was terrible. Dude, dude, the, the minute Don't sign that, hurt people. Dude, he would just get Cam Newton fucking slaughtered. Slaughtered, was, man. Uh, I think Matt Khalil teaches this is he was the reason he showed Dave Gettleman had come unhinged. Right? Is Dave Gettleman at after the 2013 season and then was what the 2015 season i had a dave gettleman for president icon on my twitter account yeah he looked like a brilliant person after and i would say before 2015 he was starting to already show those signs of being that but Get then you have the 20, baby. yeah. Then you had the 2015 season, and you're like, God, this. And he said he was so good. He was so charismatic behind the mic. He believed, he started to believe in himself too much, I think, is I think he bought into his own hype. But it all started with him stop listening to his own fucking advice. He says, You don't shop hungry in free agency, and you use free agency to set up the draft. And then that Josh Norman shit hit the Josh Norman shit. He got ego. It seems like an ego battle in some ways. And he's like, I'm not going to pay this motherfucker the money. They're right. trying to strong arm me. Well, I'll show these motherfuckers because I'm the best GM in the league. I'll just rescind the franchise tag and you can just walk. And then we go into that draft with our backs against the wall, shopping hungry. And we pick. Daryl Worley, Zach Sanchez, and one other one. I think it was a safety or something. And none of them worked out. In fact, Daryl Worley passed out. The last I heard about him at one point, he was passed out in like a intersection in his car from being like high or something. Yeah, I do remember that. But and he actually went on to kind of be okay for the Raiders. Well, I, I don't even that know too. what he did, but my, that's when, um, and maybe it was the Eagles he was the past that one. Yeah, he You're was right. with the Eagles, and then he went to the Raiders, but then he kind of played well. I just think with, with Gettleman, we saw that season after the Bradbury was the other name. Yeah. Bradbury oh, was that's drafted. right, and Bradbury turned out to be good. It was. Yeah. It went Bradbury, Worley, Sanchez, I think, was the order of those guys yeah. in the draft. But we picked three corners then they all had to go out. Uh, Bradbury had to start from day one. We were trying to start Bradbury in world and were two rookie corners that year together. And this is then the next part. That was the first sign with Dave Gettleman. The second sign was him being late to giving in to what was clearly needed. Right? So he was late to the party with the Matt Khalil thing is like, we needed the left tackle two years ago. We needed a year, but you know, and, and it was like, Oh, well I'll fix this. And he threw a bunch of money, you know, by the way, we could have gotten Okung and Okung went on and had a good uh, time. I think with either went from the chargers to the Broncos. It's or the funny Broncos. you say that because Ryan Khalil 
commented on on Twitter. One of the fans had mentioned Russell Okun, and Ryan Khalil had commented like, uh, "I don't want him here." Like everyone else was saying, "We want Russell Okun here," and Khalil was like, yeah. "No, not me." Yeah, I want my brother here. We're gonna create this movie company, right? And then <laughs> the next one too. That was the second. It and it might have. And then it goes. Oh, we have no fucking offense around Cam. We gotta give him some yeah. weapons. And that's when we started going out and getting. Uh, well, maybe not. DJ Moore was a Marty Herney. Christian McCaffrey was a Gettleman. Yeah. And I, it yeah. just felt like Gettleman. If he would have just stuck to his original plan and not bought into his own hype and his ego, it would have actually worked. <laughs> but then he started backpedaling and reaching. You know? And it just yeah. too too late. It was just like, oh, well, we got to get this left tackle because Michael Orr. Ooh, another sad story. The Michael yeah, Orr, I wonder was... how he's doing. I'm sure yeah, he's doing um, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple of handcuffs. Was he the one that didn't he put up a like a picture with a gun at one point? Uh, uh no, I, I think no, you know what I, I do remember? He had, like he, a shotgun no, and like on a he posted note a picture of all the pills that he was taking. Oh, it was pill okay. Yeah, it yeah. was he had a lot of different pills. Oh, he was like, that, This is so I can sleep or some shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh but uh real quick before we move on, you know what's funny about Gettleman? That 2015 year. Josh Norman and Odell Beckham Jr. have a brawl in the middle of the football field. Yeah. And Gettleman did the same thing to both of them. He told <laughs> Josh Norman, he told Josh Norman to get to stepping. And then uh he when traded he was, Odell away. He traded he? Odell away. And by the way, he also was uh was it Gettleman, Steve Smith, or was that? Yeah, yeah. I think Gettleman had a problem with big. I think Gettleman's big ego, personality. Yeah, I think Gettleman's ego turns out to be as big as all of those other players, For and sure. maybe and maybe unfounded in a way. I mean, Steve Smith having an ego is understandable, right? He's gonna be a Hall of Fame player, and he had to have that chip to uh, to be what he was so like he earned it wasn't ego it started as ego for steve smith but he earned it he backed it up you right. know he put his money where his mouth was in a way gettleman i think his ego was just turned out to be big and not earned or at least short-lived he bought into himself too much he look same thing is what he drafted daniel jones Ahead of he went Saquon. Yeah. He did Saquon and Daniel Jones. And who was the other quarterbacks he could have gotten in? He could have gotten Josh draft. Allen. There might that have been year. somebody. Yeah, because Josh Allen yeah, was yeah. available. Uh because yeah, Baker Mayfield went one and then Saquon Barkley went number two. Yeah, then he got Josh Allen. Um, I do like the tackles that he drafted. He also drafted Dexter Lawrence. Again, it's like I feel He's like as good a, at drafting a hog Molly. But uh, let's also say that, well, not Vernon Butler. That's definitely not yeah. a not a Coney great one. Ealing. Yeah, but see, even then, Coney Ealing was damn near a Super Bowl MVP. Isn't so, it th that? Isn't that the wild thing? Is you wonder, 
And again, I think of like, what would have Cam's career been? It's like the butterfly effect. Like if yeah. you could change one of it, one happening, one play or something. If the Kotri catch was a catch, if the yep. strip sack wasn't a strip sack, if Graham Gano, even in 2016, hits that, uh, that field goal. field goal to not fucking right. the downward spiral of what I think was the beginning of the end of Cam Newton. If it was, you could see C- Cody's going to come up here and say, oh, if Kelvin Benjamin would have fucking not been a yes. lazy ass. Like all of these small different things. Coney Ely. I mean, what about the story there is like, what if you win that Super Bowl? Coney Ely is the fucking MVP over Cam Newton. Unreal. I wonder, like, would Coney Ely turn out to be a fucking star? Or would he have crumbled? Like, I mean, I wonder what that moment. We always think about Cam and some things, but poor Coney. Do you remember Coney was selling dogs? And and he was like, yeah, he was selling purebred dogs. Because you remember remember that dude that would write the articles for Deadspin, Why Your Team Sucks? And every week or day or whatever, he would do a different team. Well, I remember he got to the Panthers and he was talking about Coney Ely had this thing that like he was selling dogs. And if I'm remembering correctly, it was like he was telling people that he was selling these purebred dogs. But it's like there was no way to verify it. Like they didn't have any papers or any shit like that. I don't know. I just remember Coney Ely was selling dogs at one point in time. We had something to do with Coney Ely in lawsuit involving rare dog. Yeah, I, I told you uh, there was according some... to Charlotte Observer's Michael Gordon, plaintiff Chris Johnson alleges Ely and his brother Danny Dogman Jones conned him out of three grand. <laughs> Allegedly, Ely and Jones convinced Johnson to invest money in their new dog breeding business they were interested in breeding boar bells boar bells but in order to do so they needed six thousand dollars for a breeding female the details get a little mangled but apparently johnson shelled out three grand and the plan never seemed to have come to fruition johnson had repeatedly asked him for a refund refund and neither ely nor jones gave him his three grand back Jones received his nickname Danny Dogman Jones because he sold bulldogs to godfathers of the black mafia in St. Louis. Whoa. (laughs) So Coney Ely's brother, brother Danny Jones used to sell dogs, bulldogs to the black mafia family in St. Louis, which he later expanded to selling cocaine. He got out. Holy shit. How did I not hear this? Yeah, he got dude. out after being shot 17 times. Whoa, dude. <laughs> Coney Ely's brother. Wow. He's a modern day Danny 50 Dog Jones. Yeah, 17. Left for dead. To say the least, this one's wow. a confusing one. Attorney Rayner said, interesting. Coney Ely. Wow, boy. It kind of sounds like what, uh, who's the coach, uh, of primetime. That's what primetime wants in a defensive end right there. You got a brother that breeds <laughs> yeah, dogs right. and fucking yeah. has been shot 17 <laughs> yeah. times. Hell, does, yeah. Uh, yeah and doesn't defense. give people back their refund when they demand Scholarship, it, yeah. bitch. Scholarship. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so I uh, look, no, we're going to kind of go a little bit out of order here just because I want to talk about this next. Um, I want to talk about Adam Thielen for a minute. Uh, because Adam Thielen, 
has very quickly become the leader of the Panthers wide receiver core. Um, so much so that Frank Reich basically even said as much. Um, give me some time just to pull the right one up. Uh, but uh, he also had some things to say uh, about our rookie class. And we're going to play that first. Uh this is some very uh, flattering words that uh, Adam Thielen said about uh, the rookies here in Carolina. And really all these young guys have impressed me. Probably the best rookie group I've ever been around as far as just coming in here and not missing a beat. You know, they haven't had as many reps as we have. Um, you know, we've had a little bit, a couple more weeks of, of practicing and being around each other, and they came in and really didn't miss a beat. So I thought, um, you know, in, in my time in the you know 11 years in the league, I've never seen a group that just kind of, you know, hasn't looked like rookies. And, you know, everybody has their, you know, moments and things like that, even veteran guys, but, um, but it's been really impressive. So, CK, again, one of the things that, we've said about uh, Bryce Young is his preparedness and his readiness. Uh, it appears to be kind of rubbing off uh, on other teammates as well. This is, uh, you know, that's pretty big comparisons uh, by Adam Thielen, considering he's been a part of some good rookie classes, man. Yeah. He saw Stefan Diggs come into Minnesota. Uh, you know, there's, there's been a lot. Um, and uh, again, I'll find it here in a minute. Um, there is a clip of Frank Reich um, talking about Adam Thielen and how Adam Thielen has very quickly become the leader of the wide receiver room and that he's the guy that all the young dudes uh, kind of fall back on. And I, I love that about him, man. Like having that veteran presence in the locker room that's that's awesome to me. I love that. Well, I love it for a couple of reasons. Number one, can we not? Can we? This is something that's easily expected, right? I mean, if you're if you're talking about a wide receiver room, there's not one much younger than the Panthers right now, right? Uh, we don't have an established room of wide receivers that you know that they're going to be able to look up to. And now Thielen comes in here. Why would you? If you're not a young wide, if you're a young wide receiver, why wouldn't you look up to Adam Thielen, who's not only found a way to remain good throughout his career, but also have a long career in the NFL up to this point. Right. He's not, he's not been he's in the super in shape too. Right. Like uh, it, feeling when he came in, uh, when he went on, uh, who's the guy, uh, who's our guy on uh, YouTube. That's now with ESPN, Pat McAfee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, they were talking about, I think he has like a protein bar. Like he, there's a reason he takes care of his body, right? He's like super, I think he's super Christian. Like I think he's one of those well-behaved people. Right. Right. Where they're <laughs> kind of like the Tom Brady, but not a dork. Um, and what I think is this is Thielen. It's shown like the, the proof is in the pudding and Thielen. People are saying he's lost this and that he's been productive though. Reminds you yeah. of, in many ways, uh, savvy, like what Ricky pro was. Yeah. Now, Ricky yeah. Hill was drafted as a top talent. He's been available, though. Like, that's what I think is one people uh, will, like, overlook is that not only has he been one of the most consistent, like, record-breaking, by the way, like, most consecutive or most 100-yard receiving games in the in a single season and 
stuff like that. But he's yeah. been consistently available uh, throughout his career there in Minnesota. He's one of the most feel-good stories of uh, you know any NFL team or any you know superstar in the NFL. Um, and ha- is he the same as he was you know seven eight years ago? No, sure he's not going to be the same quality player, just like Steve Smith wasn't towards the end of his career, right? But and I'm not again, don't take that as me saying that Thielen is Steve Smith, right? But I'm just stating that that he isn't. He's not going to have the same level of athleticism he did but i think his dude's smart and he's got great route running um i think he's going to be an asset and this this young wide receiver core is going to learn a lot from a guy like that yeah uh this is uh frank Reich talking about that very thing feelings the leader he's doing a great job it's good to see dj you know back out there chanel is a really unique piece why does it keep pausing you know terrace marshall's you know look good mingo's you know, I think Mingo's got a chance, you know, he's a rookie, so he's got, you know, ways to go. It's hard for rookie receivers to develop, but he's got the right mentality and attitude. And then really across the board, um, you know, we like to spread the ball all around. Thielen, yeah, he's the leader. Chark is our, our you know, big play guy. But um, I think the ball will get spread around. I think, you know, I think that's the way our offense has always been built. That's what we'll want to do this year. I like you know, one. another thing. Uh, about Adam Thielen is that we forget that he's six foot two. Like he's a big dude. Like he's not small. Like there was a part of me in my head that was like, you know, you said Ricky Prohl, and what Ricky Prohl was like, what six foot five five eleven six foot something like that. He he wasn't he wasn't a big guy. He was a very highly touted. Player coming out of college, rookie pro. Yeah. I think he yeah. came out of Wake Forest. I'm not 100, but he was like a first or a second. UNC, round. right? Because the son went to UNC. Yeah. He was a Wake Forest guy. I think, but I think that uh, I believe Thielen is going to have that. Yeah, um, he was Wake Forest. Fitzgerald okay. style, you know, role here towards the end of Fitzgerald's career. He was a very good slot receiver. Um, he didn't need to run, be a super fast runner. Um, he was there. He was consistent. You know, he's he's going to be in a position where he's going to help this team, and he's going to be in those third down, uh, you know, roles as well, making sure that he's able to get those, uh, you know, five, six, seven yards that he needs every single time there's a third down. I think he's going to be a a great asset, and he's going to be a Swiss Army knife. But I think that he's going to have a, a Fitzgerald uh, type of role within this offense. Offense. That, yeah, this is wild. You're gonna. Uh, not, I don't know if this is wild, but. You can go ahead and look is what was great about pro is the longevity of his career. He was drafted in 1990. He hung it up basically with, I mean, with Carolina in 05, but in 06, he went to Indy and played one game uh, in Indy, but he had 8,800 receiving yards. He had 54 touchdowns. What's really interesting about this is the longevity of his career that was big. He um, got a lot of targets when he was in Phoenix uh, before he then went to Seattle and St. Louis. But he never had a 1,000-yard season, ever. Wow. And so what did I say? All right, so remember these numbers. Uh, 8,800 receiving yards, 54 touchdowns over 16 years. Um, Adam Thielen, 6,600 
receiving yards over eight years. Uh, did not even play until his third season in Minnesota. He has 50. He already has more touchdowns than Ricky Pro did. Yeah. He also is. has two 1,000 yard seasons. And you said he's six foot two, 200 pounds. Guess who was listed on Pro Football Reference as six foot two, 200 pounds? Terrace Marshall Jr. Okay. I wonder. I've got a feeling. I got a feeling Terrace Marshall Jr. might be the one who benefits potentially more than anybody from yeah, man. Adam and the, and the fact that he's able to take these young dudes under their under his wing, you know, show them the ropes, show them the best possible tips and tricks to have them be the best receivers possible. And I love what Frank Wright said there because he said what we've already known, that we want to spread the ball around. We want to get the ball into the hands of all of our guys, and we're built to do just that. I'm telling you, Tony CK, I'm really pumped about what this offense has the potential to be this yeah. year. Like, I know a, I a lot of people are telling productive. me to like pepper my can... expectations, and I, I understand why people don't want to get their hopes up. But at the same time, like I've just seen the talent that we have available to us, and if our offensive line is able to pick up where they were from last year. Dude, I'm fucking pumped, man. I saw something about, you know, Austin Corbett is coming, still dealing. I mean, not still dealing. He's going to be, he had an ACL tear late in the season. I think it was like yeah. maybe even the last game or something. It was the last yeah, game. Yeah, it was. And uh, so that's and late. Christensen. Yeah, both of them. And I think Christensen looks like his injury was less severe. And has yeah, been it was just a break. I mean, he's been taking snaps. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's in shorts and shirts, but. He's yeah. been on the line. He's been out there. Right. But doing Corbett, there's a story on Panthers.com or there was maybe a day or two ago. And it was Corbett as he rehabs is dealing with boredom. Like, and <laughs> that made, wasn't he the one that was on the bicycle though? Like, yeah, and I mean, he's uh, like taking up bike riding or something yeah. like that. And so we see that we believe that that is uh, his, his recovery is progressing. Well, Right. But there are going to be some question marks, like you said, if the line is as good as it was last year. Right. And I think there's a good chance it will be and can be. Um, one is that our left tackle, Icky, you ain't heard, you know, you're like the the more we don't hear about Icky Aquana, the better. I don't want to see him on no mic. I don't want to see him nowhere around. What I mean by that is, if you ain't hearing Icky's name, that means his ass ain't getting beat. It ain't like, mm -hmm. I just want to hear that. And he's going into his second season. He was very good in his rookie year. I don't care if you want to show me a couple of plays where he got beat as a rookie. He's, the question was, was he going to be agile enough to play left tackle in the NFL? Not, I mean, be able to, but like you were just ready to see how he's going to deal with the speed guys. And he did just, I think he did fine. So you yeah. see him going into yeah. his second year. Bozeman feels comfortable in Carolina. If you, you know, we've got to be looking at Taylor Moten. There's going to be a lot of, what is Taylor Moten going to be for the Panthers? Yeah. And if I've, he's not, I've been then on you're going to be talking about Brady Christensen at right tackle. 
me and hey, shout out to my boy White Chocolate. Me and him have been on this. I kind of think when you have someone like Brady Christensen who does have the skill set of a tackle, I kind of think it's a waste to not be using him as a tackle. And by the way, if you've looked at uh Christensen, my man is big right now. Like he is swole, dude. He is he is really filled into that guard position. I think you're going to see a big year from from him as well. I wonder if um, Moten is going to be able to get a second life in his career by maybe being a guard late. I mean, I maybe. Know. I don't even know. It reminds like, me of Michael Orr a lot. Um, I mean, it, it could be. I think that uh, the, the situation, one of the things I'm frustrated by is the fact that Icky has had a gr- he had a great rookie season. He had a yeah. rough first few games because again, rookie and he was going against some of the best the NFL had to offer. Um, yeah, with Miles Garrett and some other people <laughs> there at the beginning of the year, but even beyond that, like when you look at his production with a quarterback in Baker Mayfield who has been who was holding on to the ball entirely too long, like in like he would pump fake he would hold, like when you look back on that and you want to blame icky for those I, I i don't even know i mean he's got some issues right in, in those first few games but the dude was lights out there in the back you know and really not even at the end of the uh end of the game or end of the season he was lights out after like three games he was like he went what 12 games without allowing a sack like the dude was actually doing a really good job and one of my irritations is when you look at these lists of like um you know how well did the rookie class of carolina panthers do they always like talk about his struggles and then they don't uh, they talk about how these other type tackles were so much better than him. I'm like, I don't know that there was another tackle that was more consistent than Icky was last year, even with the the struggles we were having offensively. Do you want to hear something or you want to see something sad? More funny. What... It's amusing, actually. It's more amusing. And you brought this up because you were bringing up, you reminded me of Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is, he was trending at least on my Twitter. And I don't know if trending on Twitter when I go to sports is because of what I look at. That's tailored for me. But his name was pretty high up there. Oh, it's because he's got this video of him talking shit to Rodrigo Blankenship, who is the kicker. So he's like walking past the kicker for the Bucks, And he goes, uh, then they shake hands. He goes, I still don't like you because... Blankenship hit the field goal for Georgia to win over the Sooners, right? So, I mean, it's funny. You know, Baker's charismatic in a way, right? It's like he attracts. We had the Baker bump even on this show. This for, this He's kind of like my one of my internet rivals for a long time, J.C. De La Torre. He is a Bucks um, writer and fan. And right now he's going through and watching all the Panthers games with Baker and he's trying to convince himself (laughs) that Baker's good, right? That he's not bad. And it's kind of funny because we did the same shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like this. So he goes, this is, and it goes like this is, uh, if the protection held up long enough, this is the Browns game for Baker to get the ball off and the Panthers shitty receivers held on to the football. So many drops. There were a lot, but he had a lot of good things happened. Week one playing his old team, the Browns, it was pretty slow start for Baker due to the O line problems and unfamiliarity with receivers and scheme. 
But when you bring that up, he goes on to this. He's like, oh, Mayfield hit a 50-yard bomb, which we almost won that damn game. Yeah. Um, he did. He did do everything in his power to win that yeah. towards the end. But, you, but when you bring that up and he's talking shit about our offensive line, he's early. He's watching these games game by game, and he's tweeting about them. So I've been reading them, and I say something back to him. I'm like, man, dude, he's, don't worry. Um, you bring up a great point is that like Icky turned out to have a great season. I was like, man, this guy's trash in our offensive line, but yeah, it was week three and our offensive line gelled as the season went on. But we didn't have Bozeman towards yes, at, at the beginning. That's either. another one. Icky got better after about week three and he wasn't bad. It was just like, Hey man, he got, there was a couple of plays where he just got beat and that was expected. That's the, yep. what's going to happen. But then you're right, is that later, it might have been week six or something like that, we put in Bozeman and, and Christensen, and it started to really gel. So I'm just watching him trying to talk himself into right. Baker is not the problem. He's a Baker bottom now. He's a Baker bottom. He is a Baker bottom, and and we were Baker bottoms, at least uh, a few of us were, and, and his I was. charisma. The thing with, I think I we, still we like fell him. in love with his charisma. I was I never it. a Baker bottom for you the weren't. record. You weren't. You, no, you, you eventually came on board. You did. I don't even say that you didn't, Cody. You came on board. No, I thought on. that we would be an average football nah, team. You cheered that, for him. That does yeah. not mean on board. No, I yeah. fight. I fight you weren't a bottom. Him. You were. I wouldn't put you on a bottom. Yeah, you weren't. You weren't like rooting for him to like blow it up. I was up, sitting here were, thinking he might be good. Yeah, I'm saying I'm yeah. J- I was we JC Del Torre. We were looking at his press conference, and we, unfortunately, and here's the thing, and I, again, people are going to be mad about this, but we saw the charisma that Cam Newton brought with Baker Mayfield, right? Like, and we hadn't seen that um, in a minute, and now all of a sudden we had that back, and it was a number one overall pick, and there was just so much hope around that that maybe, I mean, there were still things he did good on film in the Browns organization, right? So we still had something to look back on and say there is a positive there, right? Now, here's the thing. If you're a Bucks fan, you're going to look back on this uh, on this season and the last couple of seasons in, in the Browns, and you're going to be like, all right, so in five seasons in the NFL, he had one good season, and we're going to try to sell ourselves on him being a good player in this in this league. Like We, we, we heard really Browns fans, CK. Browns fans were cool because they were active. They got a good fan base. That, yeah. And Baker, the Baker bros is a thing. Yeah. And that's what I loved about Baker. I like it. I'm a Baker bro for the reason that he helped the podcast. It gave us, you know, brought a lot of attention. And, you know, I was kind of like everybody in week one thinks it can work. But you're right. When it comes to Cleveland, like at least we had a couple of moments where you could have said, oh, look, he looked good there. J.C. Della Torre. He has to completely not look at Baker. Like, he's like, he's like, I'm going to look at this play and I'm going to look at everybody but Baker and I'm going to find what's wrong. Right. Like, you can't look at Baker's time in Carolina and come away with anything good. You can't. No, you even can't. when, because like we talked about, our line got better as the year went on. Baker got worse with every possible thing Week going one his way. was his best game. It was. And he did not get any better. Like, even in that game, he got worse. You, you could, yeah, I mean the 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 part of it that I'm I like he got even with the worst thing that the Browns said about Baker, 
he was worse than that. Yes. For the Panthers. Yes. Right? Even like, the Baker haters came on the show and were like, damn. Yeah, it's it was not nobody expected him to be that bad. Like Great. not a not even like you said, not even the people that hated Baker. Like his worst fans would have never thought he was going to be as bad as he was in Carolina. He and made he was, PJ Walker and Sam Darnold look great. He made Sam Darnold look elite, dude. <laughs> like we I'm were here going extend Sam Darnold after that. I know, shit. right? Because we <laughs> we've seen that horrendous gameplay, and like we want to talk about how Sam Darnold did the year before. Sam Darnold wasn't nearly as bad as Baker was the, his full year of starting for us. Like where we did horribly. Agreed. Like it, it, that's that's the funny thing about this whole thing i don't know man I'm, I'm glad that he's gone but i think anybody who looks at their situation and thinks um he's going to be a, a starting uh a starting guy in our in our league is is fooling themselves it's awesome the baker bump was a real thing though the baker bump was a real thing and 100 um oh this is what I was doing. you missed this cody last week we asked uh people to call in we asked people to meme it up we haven't gotten a lot of, again it's the dead time so it's hard you got to be uh some of the hardcore people like that are in the chat right now so maybe c3s in the chat i see that i love that anthony piccarello starting the damn army these ill skills out there brand ambassador Kristen delane out here grabbing great conversation she said this as she was talking about moton and the decline here josh C3 super fan. Love to see you in the chat every week. These are the hardcore people. Last week we asked, what was Steve Smith saying in that picture where he's like, you know, like what, tell the story, you know? And the, one of the things we said, or I started the show, Cody, I said, one thing he could be saying is, can you believe you can live for 40 days without eating food? Like Russell Okung did. And only lived on water. How wild is that shit? And then the other one was there. I saw one random tweet and I have not chased it down anymore. And I'm just going to believe it's true that Brian Burns could potentially be dating Taylor Swift. And my boy clip said that would be the best fucking thing for your podcast. (laughs) If the Swifties. Like. They're like a, they're a thing on the internet. They would make the Baker bump look like nothing. No, no. So yeah, well, that's true. You would put Taylor Swift in the title and the videos would just like they, the Baker bros. It was a thing. Like they're going to follow him. We would get shut down the moment they broke up. Like they would just come and spam report us. Like, right. Would, hey, would, let's see it. Imagine it if be. the Swifties, the bump on the post game show, Brian Burns, Swifty, Taylor Swift alert. She's at the game cheering for Brian Burns. Be we, like what, 9 million people in the 9 million 12 year old girls in the chat room. Wonder how much we could pay uh, Taylor Swift to let us license the song she writes about Brian Burns. Yeah, it's like, uh, can we get a cameo? Yeah, can we? Sw- imagine how much that would cost. The oh, Taylor gosh. Swift cameo would probably be like nine grand for her to be like, hey, oh, God, C3, yeah. I love Brian Burns. <laughs> I love Brian Burns. You should see him naked. What? <laughs> you know what? He looks great in 263 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so look, let's run through these final, uh, final topics that we have here. Uh, this one, just a bunch of players that were out at training camp. 
for some uh, obviously Steve Smith was out there. Greg Mabin, uh, Thinkarius Keeves, uh, and Tyler these are a new additions. No, no, you're reading this wrong. You're reading the tweet wrong. You said Jordan Matthews was a player before. No, look, the Panthers are headed out for minicamp in a few, and they're expected to have three tryout players in addition to the 89 on the roster. Don't got it. 89 don't got to do with agent 89. But why were you saying Jordan Matthews was like a player that plays? He is now a tight end. Yeah, he is trying out for the Panthers as a tight end. He used to be a wide receiver for the Eagles. So this is just the bottom dregs of the news right here. Um, Trial players, Greg Maben, don't know who he is. But look, but you you kind of look at the players they're trying to look at as cornerbacks here. What are you trying? Hey, maybe we find a, somebody that could do special teams is what I'm looking at. But it also probably tells us that they're not just in love with the tight end group behind Hayden Hurt. I wonder where, where is the Ian Thomas news in this? Have you heard Ian Thomas's name? One time out of this new. I don't want staff. to hear Ian Thomas's name. How about <laughs> Is he that? on the team still? Who knows? Who cares? I, think I got don't. Paid. I think he's like. I think he's under contract. He is. He's Dude, on the team. We didn't yeah, even they're... want. We didn't even want to extend him, but he was willing hey, to take. What if a he pay gets coached finally? He was willing to take a pay cut just to stick around. But Dude, I'm I, at all this I'm right saying here, is and this. I'm saying it tells I'm us. I'm not going to hold groups. my breath. I'm saying this, though, is that these players themselves are unimportant, but maybe, and I'm trying to stretch this into some conversation here, (laughs) is maybe this tells us what the team is looking at for depth at a position group or probably just trying to find uh, special teams players at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just tryouts. I mean, this is not anything, um, you know, to write home about. These aren't signings yeah. that they're making these are just guys trying to make a roster the jordan matthews ones is an interesting one because i think he was considered a, a a good wide receiver in this league at one point when he was on the eagle squad a while back but he's also older and so i don't think that that's anything that that's uh worth uh uh discussing outside of maybe the potential yeah. being here but um the ian thomas decision this situation is one that's uh an interesting one because this is a this is very possibly a like a really important year for him, and the fact that he's not even in the conversation of anybody right now tells me that either this coaching staff views him equally as uh, unbeneficial to this uh, offense, or he is legitimately only valued in one way and one way only, and that is as a uh, as a blocker, which has been the reason people have sold him as a good player for us is his ability to block. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. Uh, that mindset, but you know, he, nah, he was supposed to be a receiving right. tight end after his first season, right? Like he had came out there and did all that. The thing that I think is great about the Ian Thomas story is it's almost like, who are you not talking about sometimes that I'm interested in? Right. And do you remember Matt rule would just come out there and be like, he's a pros pro dude. He's like, uh, this is the standard is and You're like Ian Thomas. That's what it is. Like, he was like, they were trying to make him the face of the offense, it felt like, for the Panthers at one point. Not the face of the offense, but it was just like Matt Rule was just always, remember, it was just Shaq Thompson and Ian Thomas. These are the guys. They come to, and we haven't heard Ian Thomas's name at all. 
No, maybe, and that's a great thing, maybe. I mean, I think it is. I think it's going to be great for uh, Tommy Trimble. Um, I think Trimble is going to have. I, I, listen, I said when his rookie year, we saw a few highlight plays of his, and I'm like, it dude just runs seems different than what we had it tight end for a while. And I, I I hold true to that. I think that this dude can you know come out here and and still uh, perform at a high level. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what he he uh, adds to this offense. I think he's going to get an actual opportunity. Even with Hayden Hurst in the lineup, I think there's nothing to say that the dude can't have an opportunity to actually perform at a high level. All right, what's next, uh, Cody? So uh, up next, uh, yeah, defensive line uh, free agent Yannick Ngakwe. Who the uh, hell was his agent before? Oh, sorry. I have no idea. But uh, Just now getting Drew Rosenhaus? Yeah, just now, uh, uh, getting a brand new agent. And uh, let me play this clip. Uh, there was a clip of Frank Reich, and he was talking about um, pass rusher. And again, he, we all he, know it. We're all sitting yeah. there going, "This is the place we have some concern." They're putting a lot of eggs in the Gross Matos basket, the Marquise Hain basket. Yep, so um, and this is also this on the heels of someone else getting signed. Oh, Leonard Floyd. See what Frank Reich has to say here. You know, as a coach, I always think what we got is enough. You know, like I love our guys. I love our team. Um, you know, but Scott's job is to, you know, continually look, look and see what is what going on with Twitter tonight. Foster, right? We you know, we owe that to the team, right? We're trying to, we're trying to get better. And so um, that, that's part of the process. And there were pictures of Fitterer outside on his phone today. So it does seem as though they were kind of dropping hints like they might make a move. Um, I don't know, man. It's like, I really think that they need to do something quick. Like I want Why these it guys be to quick. Cause I want them to be a part of things. I want them to start learning now learning our defensive identity yeah. now all those types of things that's important and okay. and i just i, I would prefer to well, as long as it's before part. training camp and i think that's what uh, yannick and guacqua and, and jack whatever yannick, what's his name yannick and guacqua i think that he has said that he wants to be with a team before training camp and that's pretty cool to hear from him too i think you know what i think He's saying this is I don't want just a one-year deal. And if I do get just a one-year deal, I don't want to be put in a place where I'm not going to be able to actually thrive to not get to get the multi-year deal the following year. So if you force me to sign a one-year kind of like a better than DJ Shark, say you give him a good one-year paycheck, um, he doesn't want to come in there behind schedule to where that one year doesn't become a multi-year. So I think that's smart. And like, if you want to get something done, you call Drew Rosenhaus. Yeah, dude, I've seen interviews with that dude. He really is smart as hell. Like Rosenhaus? the guy knows. Yeah. Like he the is guy the guy, he's like, um, do you remember, uh, what was it? The uh, Jeremy Piven was the agent and, uh, the, Movie star, entourage. Yeah, entourage. Yep. yeah, 
he's like the Jeremy Piven of. Yeah, kind of. He started it. He started the business. I know people like to talk shit about Mel Kuyper or whatever, but like he was doing the draft. He made the draft prognication. Pro you know, like he made that a field in a way. Drew Rosenhaus right. is the first super celebrity agent. Yep. Maybe not the first. But yeah, he's the celebrity. He is the top of his field. He is to agents as um, who's the guy? Adam Schefter is to breaking news. Yeah, insight. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen. I hope it does. I would prefer to add another name, uh, but we'll see what happens. It's Boys, gotta, it's got it. Well, but the problem is this is that's a great question. If it does happen, we talked about the Brian Burns need. Uh, can you front load the deal and go and get a guy like him? We know that there's a desire to add that player. We talked about some of these last week, right? CK while uh, Cody was at the ballet is some of these names that could be shopped out there. Yeah. And most of them are oldies, old heads though, which then you're like, damn, at least in gives you like the idea of like, Hey, this player might have a future with the team instead of just having a player. That's just a one and done type moment. But you need to, it, it's tough. And like, if you're Frank, Wright too, you want to believe it, that you can get it done with, YGM you want we were watching that video of Brian Burns coaching up YGM if you don't think that is worth shit we definitely got to go do it yeah I mean that's the thing is like it, it, we've talked about best case scenario best case scenario is we don't have to add a, a, another person to this team right that these guys can all perform at a high level um and 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 not have to worry about you know putting all that money into another another player and instead you know like we said roll over that uh, into next year's cap, or uh, like we talked about earlier, front loading the, uh, the the contracts of some of the guys coming up that you need to extend. Um, I, I think that it, best case scenario is YGM, you know, pans out. Um, now, do we run with that based on the history of what YGM has been able to perform, you know, at the level he's performed at, even when given an opportunity and, and an ample opportunity at that? Um, I don't know if it's worth that risk. Kev, I want my bastard son. I want you to call in and tell us about your uh, Rosenhaus story about Tia. Rosenhaus always got his wife is like flies. You're just like, this dude makes more money than anybody. He makes so many. Every one of those giant deals. Poor, uh, you were We were talking about Ian Rappaport being, or Adam Schefter being the insider breaking news. Every time Schefter breaks news, he ain't making a big paycheck. Every time Rosenhaus breaks news he is making some coin dude that dude has probably made a fucking billion dollars off the nfl and nfl players by this point what's up next cody yeah the final topic uh that we have for tonight uh the final one that we have and we're going to talk about some of the injuries uh because believe it or not before the season has even started they are already starting to build up. Why is so, Doc, tell us about this? I gotta, I didn't even know about this yet. Well, yeah. Uh, so Dante Jackson, he's still recovering from his injuries. What was it? An Achilles? Yeah, is that Achilles, what he had? Yeah. yeah, okay, okay. Yep. And then, uh, Von Bell 
has an injured pectoral muscle uh, that we're just finding out about too. Again, Frank Wright comes back to say that he's not worried about it too much, that they should be ready to go by the time training camp comes around. But we wanted to talk about J.C. Horn for a minute because he's injured yet again. He was doing uh, his own private workout, and I guess he stepped on his foot wrong or did something to hurt his something. But he's, he's in a walking boot. So my question to you, is it time to panic? Is this problematic? What's going on with J.C. Horn? And do you think it's time to push the panic button? CK, we talked about this for a good minute on the Friday free for all, Cody and I, and we, uh, we debated over whether or not JC Horn was injury prone. Some people, and I don't know if it was, you told me this is that he might've been, and I don't know if this was on Tuesday's show last week that we had already heard about this, but the, is he unlucky? Is he injury prone? Is he just fucking unlucky? But what I am convinced is, is he's accident prone. I mean, if you call huh. each one of these freak issues, like you're right. The, At some point, the yeah, Houston you... one, f- oh, freak. He like, oh, turf monster killed him. And then the one where he, the one where he, the wrist last year and oh. like got caught in the helmet or some shit. It's like a freak accident. He said this. I can't even, I can't control broken bones. Freak. He's accident prone. This motherfucker is gonna bang his elbow every time he walks. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're gonna be walking out the door hard, and he's always gonna be standing on the other side, getting hit in the head. And you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like you're getting out of work, and you're like, I'm ready to get out of this motherfucker. And you bust (laughs) through that door and fucking JC Horn accident on the other side. He is ready to spill a bucket of paint at any moment. I mean, listen, it's hard to argue that. I mean, it's hard to argue against it at this point in time. It'd be different if they were all the same injury, but they're not. They're all different injuries. And so um, to say that he's, you know, if if it was all ACLs, right, go ahead and start being a little bit cautious about that. If they were all soft tissue issues, right, maybe we start to worry about the, the soft tissue stuff, right? But it's one, it's different types of injuries every time. The and, and like you said, it does seem to be just an unlucky situation. But the problem is, as they stack up, it's impossible not to put that label on them. Like, even if they aren't uh, associated with one another, it is absolutely impossible. And honestly, unfair to a lot of other players if we don't say J.C. Horn is injury prone. Right now, there is no evidence to say that he's not. Cody, can J.C. Horn eat? One meal in a white shirt without getting something on it. I'm going to say yes, man. Yes. And that I, he's yes. not accident. Pro- no, that he is a meatball dropping. You're going to go out in a white shirt and go to an Italian <laughs> restaurant. He's going to go to Muscle Man. He's going to go to Monster Subs and Grubs. He's going to get the meatball sandwich. He's going to be in a fresh white shirt. And JC Horn going to take the first bite. And the meatball gonna fall on his shirt. Maybe, man. Unlucky. Listen, I'm just He's I'm not prone. I'm not at the place where I want to freak out over this. I'm sorry, I just don't. It's not a good thing. I understand. And if he ends up being injury prone, he ends up being injury prone. But 
right now I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I mean, th- this type of shit happens. And one of the things that I think about JC, uh, I think that he trains too hard in the off season. Like, I feel like when he has downtime, like th- when you look at workouts that JC Horn does, this man is flying around. Okay, jumping, uh, dude. The the dude is a physical freak of nature. Okay, he was drafted as high as he was for a reason, and I feel like he needs to better learn how to take care of his body and learn how to train for the long haul. You think instead he's got of Christian McCaffrey situation going? Yeah, like he but- he puts a little bit too much into these workouts, and I think it's to his detriment at this point. I would agree, but I also disagree because if they were all similar as far as soft tissue, like that's always been that was always the issue with uh with uh CMC is that he was always getting those soft tissue injuries that kept him out for three, four games at a time. JC Horn is getting these injuries like broken bones and now sprained ankle. This is the first like one that. too, CK, that's been in a training session. Right. Yeah. So I I don't I don't necessarily subscribe to that idea either, just because of the, the the absolute variety. And the fact is, is that you don't get a broken, you know, these broken, like they are just straight up fluke accidents, right? Until just- this, yeah, this one's a rolling it over. And I think the it comes back, you bring up a good point, Cody. And I always think when you say this, you said this when we were talking about Christian McCaffrey at one point, Right. Is like at what point is being the peak physical specimen to like where you've muscles are so strong they could snap at any moment. Right. Where like what's the line of that becoming a detriment in a way um, or a danger? And that's yeah. what you're and it, it always gets suspicious. I always when you bring up that comment, I always think of John Beeson coming off of mm-hmm. I think it was an Achilles. Maybe it was a knee. I can't remember. But it was John Beeson's first injury, right? Thomas Davis had been the hurt winner. John Beeson was the fucking... John Beeson was ready to be the next great linebacker for Carolina. And he actually turned out to be the one that struggled Mm -hmm. with injuries. And Thomas Davis comes back from it, which is wild. Yeah. Beeson was coming off of this injury. And he posted, and it was very early in youtube twitter shit right like where you it was like it's one of the earliest videos i remember of like getting a peek at a player doing his own thing i don't know if it was face but whatever it was and he was training on the beach i think he's from california and he had this rubber band thing tied around him and he was running up these basically a giant um resistance band his body was tied to and he was running up these sand dunes and you're like holy fuck john beeson is healthy look at how great and then boom he continued to struggle with injuries after that again yeah. you know it's like I, I almost don't trust when you're coming off the injury and you post these videos of how great you look i'm like oh fuck oh, so shit. but like, when it comes wood. to when it comes to jc like dude last season he broke his hand on a helmet Right. Like that was a freak fucking accident. How am I going to count that towards JC being injury prone? Like, uh, I'm just every other player. If they were on any other team, you would agree that they were injury prone. 
No, I wouldn't. No, I disagree. I, I think there's uh, no, no, of people that, have, that you would look at their availability and say they've missed how yeah. many games, and and that you wouldn't even care about the injury. You would see that whether they've just played been hurt how many year. games that they've started in, and you would see right. If missed. you're just looking at the amount of games they missed, sure. But if you're looking at the context of what the injuries are, and no, you wouldn't do they, that for a player on they, the Bucks, and how they differ. From, no, but I'm saying if you're asking me, I'm not making surface. Uh, face value evaluations here. If I'm talking about a player and if I'm going to call him injury prone, so for example, Dante Jackson always has a big toe hurt, always has his foot hurt. He's played a full season. JC Horn has never played a full season. Right, but when you're consistently having the same types of injuries, to me, that's a problem. Sure. And and, here's here's my question to you, Cody. I'm not saying enough continuity in the injuries from J.C. Horn for me to go, all right, this is a problem for him, rather than me saying what I did say earlier, I think that he trains too hard. Is it the same injury? For Are you being fair to Dante Jackson, though? Because you just said this is that the same injury, and he's had turf toe, but now it's an Achilles. And They're I, not the same injury. I mean, hey, your foot's connected to your Achilles. Well, your 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 hand is connected to your body. Like, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's not. Here's Low, the thing. Yeah, but you would generally classify lower body injuries. Where is it the like, same sure. foot? That would be the other question. Is here's, here's my argument. In the same foot. Here's my argument. Is Cody, if we were getting ready to sign a cornerback, and you looked at their history, he was he's only got three years in the league. He was a high draft pick. He plays well, but he's only started in less than 50% of the games that he's able to because of injury. Would you not say, we're not going to give you a good contract? We might take a flyer on you, but we're going to take a one-year deal as opposed to giving you a uh, a, a money deal, a long-term deal, or anything like that? That's what I mean. Like Right now, if, if your answer is you would not sign him to a long-term deal because of the risk involved, for the fact that he has not been able to play through an entire season yet, then he's injury prone in your mind. I mean, again, yes. I'm not saying that it's great. Have points, but I'm not saying right. that it's. I'm not saying that it's great. The injuries, yes, I just think injury prone is one of those things that we will label a player with too fast. Because I think in a in a player's career, players will go through stretches of health continuous health but they'll also have times where they'll have like a year or two or more sometimes where they're just banged up look at thomas davis i mean toward the same acl three times and they would go on to have an incredible career for absolutely. the absolutely absolutely so, is he, it listen he got the it, benefit of the doubt on that most people don't get that and and he would he would be considered injury prone at that point in time he didn't sign a massive contract after that like he honestly, if he didn't get a second chance in, in uh, by Dave Gettleman uh, and and Ron Rivera, he wouldn't have made any any type of the money that he was making. He would not be considered a great player of Carolina Panthers history. He wouldn't have gone right. on to be, you know, he wouldn't have been given a shot anywhere else, um, he, like he was here. So, I mean, I agree. I think that I want Horn to work out. I love Horn, and honestly, if you want to look at the you know trending of it, you know, he played in what three games his rookie season. He played in what. 12 games or 13 games in the, or am I wrong in that in, in his, in his second season. 
And now if this sprain or whatever he did to his ankle is the most that he's going to have this year, then we're all, we're looking like, you know, golden. Uh, hopefully he's just constantly getting better and better. And his, his body's getting more, you know, uh, more uh, yeah, strengthened as we go. But as of right now, the, the history doesn't, uh, doesn't look good for JC Horn so far. I'm hoping that it changes though. I think Cody, you give two, more benefit of the doubt to JC Horn than you do to Dante Jackson. And you're going to be like, Oh, look at these five games. He was the fucking best in the sport, Well, he's a top 10 pick. He should be that good. And Dante oh, Jackson was an, his underside speed. Like his, at least Dante Jackson has had some semblance of a season together that he was on available. Like, and I think this is, and so it stinks. He's accident prone, man. Uh, we need look is how about this? If JC Horn can't put together a, like this season is kind of critical for him. Yeah, if a he's lot hurt of this guys year, is like you gotta be critical caught. for them. If he's injured this year, he's not you're not putting your fifth year option on it. Or yeah, no, oh, no doubt. No, no, yeah, that's what. Listen, I, I'm not, definitely not saying that there's no re, like there's nothing to see here. Yeah. He's obviously been injured. What I'm saying is is that this year is going to be the year that kind of determines whether or not it just sucks that it started with an injury. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it literally started with an injury. It started with an injury, but I'm also be there for training camp too. Yeah. If he's able to make it through training camp and make it through the season, then it's like this whole conversation is for nothing. I agree. And by the way, he led our team in interceptions last year. Uh, Yeah. When he's out there, he's not bad. I think he was he's by a and large. He's good. Yeah, he's his good. numbers are, speak for themselves. I mean, if he's capable of staying healthy, um, the only thing you worry about is as long as these injuries don't start to hinder his athleticism as he goes, then you know, JC Horn is a stud. And I, I'm I'm happy that he's on our team. I just it's I, I think it's only fair to have that conversation about injury and not just write it off as, as fluke because of the fact that it is consistently now for three years at this point. We're going to have a long time to talk about this uh, J.C. Horn thing, but you also have to think this, Cody, is if he comes out, what if he what if he's hurt this year, right? Like, what if he just is nicked up? And then next year, he... So you wouldn't have to pick up his fourth, fifth-year option this year. It's next year you have to right. start thinking about it. Yeah, you have to do it before his fourth year. So what happens this? Say he's nicked up this year. And you're like, damn, again, it's an accident. Like, is he? And then next year, he balls out. Like, and he is what you wanted. He has a good season. Like, he's there all year. And now you're like, do you pay him? Would you, like, all of a sudden, is one season going to override the other three sample set? Boy, what a tough position to be in as a GM there. Yeah. Jeremy Chin could do that this year. If Jeremy Chin has an incredible year this year, that's kind of the same thing. Well, he hasn't been hurt like this, though. I'm just saying is this is like, I wonder if you would get very, if you would have verification bias if J.C. Horn was hurt this year. But then again, next year, he was like, he finally had a great seat. Like, he finally was there. And now you got to pay him. What if you had to pay him prematurely, I guess, is what, you know, it's like you're actually basing it, again, verification bias. But anyway, we'll have plenty of time to talk 
about J.C. Horn and his role with the Carolina Panthers this year and next year. Let's go ahead and move on with the show. Where are we at? Let's next? do that. Uh, you know what? We are ready to listen to these Panther fans. Time to listen to some cat calls. The number is 252-228-5098. Let your voice be heard on the C3 Panthers podcast. Let's get it. So what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty you shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels good. Like What's up, C3? It's Anthony from Charlotte. Hope y'all are having a what good up, day. Um, another week kind of slow in Panthers uh, Nation with news, but I did catch a couple stuff from Frank Reich's press conference today and the practice footage we got. So first things first, um, before anyone freaks out, Bryce Young had a batted ball today. But also Andy Dalton did as well. Who is six foot two? So let me tell you why these balls keep getting batted down. It's not because of the quarterback. It's because of our new nose tackle, Shy Tuttle. That's his specialty. He's very good at batting balls down, blocking kicks, doing all those little things. That's probably another thing that goes along with his. You know, he doesn't get sacks, but he's good in the run and he's good with those small little details. So just wanted to point that out to make sure everyone understood that. Um, also, Brian Burns was speaking before I get to Frank Wright. Brian Burns was speaking about Bryce Young today. He said he likes him. He said he's humble, but he knows he's the shit. And I think that's a great way to describe how, um, Bryce Young is. I think he, he comes across as like a quiet Cam Newton. Like Cam Newton would just be talking and talking and, you know, tell everyone he's the shit. But Bryce Young's going to show you he's the shit through the work he does on the practice field. And um, Brian also said that he plays, like, at game speed in practice. And he said that's when you know, like, a player's going to perform in the game. So I really like that as well. Uh, moving on to what I really want to talk about, though, Frank Reich today was, you know, asked a bunch in the press conference, Bryce Young, wide receivers, um, different stuff like that. On the defensive side, there's a couple injuries, but they're not long-term or surgical. He did say, when asked about the DNs, he said, listen, I like the guys we have on our roster, but Scott Bitter's in charge of building up this roster and making it better any way he can. And not coincidentally, Scott Bitter's shown on the phone talking to someone while at practice. Now, last time he was doing this, DJ Chark was signed in the coming hours, or I think it was the next day. My guess is he's looking to add another edge rusher. Let me get your thoughts on that. Do you think we'll add another edge rusher? Because I think the Panthers know they need to as well. It's been Anthony from Charlotte. You already know the vibes. Keep motherfucking pounding. Hey, keep pounding. Um, I don't know, man. Like it, it's It's to the point where I feel like Federer, I take him at his word when he says in on every deal. So, yeah, I think that he's inquiring about all of them. 
and I don't think Frank Wright would have dropped that tidbit about, you know, well, you know, Federer, he's the guy in charge of all of that and stuff like that. Like leaving the door open right. for something like that to happen. So, yeah, I do think that it could happen, but I don't know for sure that it will. There is a part of me that feels like they're just going to run with the guys that they have on the roster as much as we might hit that. Like Marquis Haynes, YGM. I know people don't want to hear that, but uh, I mean, I, we I, I'm, can't not, get I'm not sure. Everything we want. And what I'm what I mean by this is, in one hand, we had earlier some good comments about let's front load the Brian Burns deal, and uh, so that we can have. And I'm part of this, right? Is so we can have flexibility in year two and three for Bryce Young instead of just now. But then you have the idea of, well, maybe we should then take the money we have right now as the second most in cap space in the NFL currently, I believe, and use that money to address a critical need on the team. And then you have a third angle where some people are now saying, when we talked a little bit about this last week is like the potential of trading for a player, right? We're going to talk about this in the news. Actually, if you could flip real quick to the news slide of this is that Danielle Hunter, AKA Daniel, yeah. uh, no, uh, yeah. Daniel Hunter could potentially who has been, been talked about in trade rumors. Um, we talked about chase young last week. Now he could be coming back. To Minnesota, but then you have a third component of people that are now out there talking about like, hey, we we talked about uh, signing um, DeAndre Hopkins, mm -hmm. and then now, to me, is the wild idea is, is the idea: could you legitimately trade for a player? And then you're like, holy shit, we wouldn't have we don't have a pick next year. So my point being is this: is all of these things alone, except for the trading one for me. I don't know if we really have the assets to be trading away. We like, can't. Shit. No. like if I mean, gonna, like we kind of need not, the draft picks. I'd rather have less have draft up, picks, but good ones. There's if you're going to have to give up a second round draft pick, that would leave us without a first and a second. Yeah, and no, that's, we, just, need, we just talked about needing to build this team up and be a young team. Um, that, that's, this isn't the answer is constantly trading. I know everybody's got that F them picks mentality, but right now the Rams are not in a good spot because they've had one year of being able to do that and be successful. Um, they were now, still trying to trade two away last year. I know. It's, I mean, and like, it's, it's at this point in time, I'm not, uh, I, I'm not of the mind. I don't want to be that team. That's just going for uh one year wonders. I mean, I, I, or one year of success. And now all of a sudden I'm risking the ability to get a superstar. Who's going to have, you know, 10 years, 15 years uh, of being a Carolina Panther. I would rather uh, us uh, draft well and, 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 go that route, maybe get a one-year deal on one of these guys that are coming out right now or get the people that we plan on paying like Brian Burns uh, taken care of early. We just are not going to be able to do all of them. Right. And that is the idea is like if you want to go out and get DeAndre Hopkins or you want to go out and get Ngakwe or whoever, just whatever, you want to spend it, we got to spend it on defensive end. You can't do that and front load Brian Burns contract and get something, you know what I'm saying? Like, is like, there's going to be, you can maybe get two 
out of three. I hate the, uh, we can't trade away any more assets. I just don't. No. That's like the one I just don't even want to hear about, but that's it. The number's two, five, two. Do you guys have anything else to say about Anthony's call before we move on? No. All right. The number's two, five, two, 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 eight, 50, 98. Next call. What's up, C3? It's JJ calling in again. Well, JJ. And uh, I wanted I wanted to do some ice ups this week. Really, really, I just wanted to ice up myself because uh, for joking reasons, of course. But like last week, uh, Tony, after I went on my call, was like, "That's JJ, new family member, or whatever." To C3, who really just fit in, or blended in, yada yada. And then he was like, he's like our little brother. And I was like, damn, I'm turning 20 this year. And he calling me a little bro. Shit, I got to put some bass in my voice because I know <laughs> I was always really just talking slow. Or I guess We're I all just, old, JJ. I what to say, but yeah, this is uh, I also wanted you, to say more to do in about terms me. of like, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Friday free-for-all. I mean, like, I was, I was, I was, for the most part, I wasn't really serious when I said Bryson was going to be better than Cam Newton. I really just said that to be optimistic. I felt like saying it because eventually someone else was going to say it regardless if I said it. Like, G-Baby was going to get up there. You know, Anthony was going to say it. It didn't really matter. <clears throat> but, but, but I also got a challenge, a bet with uh g baby i need to make yeah i'm calling at you g i'm calling out your name listen up i you always be wanting to shit on brian burn and we be talking about how much sex is he gonna get all the time i'm finna bet you if you if you're willing to bet i i'm gonna pick put a big amount i'll hit you up that brian burns is gonna set a career high in sacks again and I have no reason to believe he won't. He's getting 13 plus this year. Brian Burns is the man. I'm sure Cody was hyped about that shit too. If he knows Brian yeah. Burns is the man, keep pounding C3. Like, comment, subscribe, and use code C3 on prize picks. Whenever, whenever you go and fucking use prize picks again, cause the season over. Shout out Jokic. All right, C3. Keep pounding. You know, uh, I remember when you said that on the show, uh, and it really got people Set debating. Twan off, Twan, Twan yeah. got on yeah. the show. Oh yeah, I mean, hey, that's what the Friday free for all is, man. Yeah. Y'all gotta, y'all gotta join on Fridays. It, it, it gets lit in the Friday free for all, man. Um, but basically. Yeah, right. It, they're, that set off a great discussion, and it is. As sometimes this is like it's not even about it being right or wrong, is like that's a, a that is a talking point to just go on a real discussion about the team. You know, it's just like hey about a fan base. It took you, it will take you on a different roller coaster of emotions to do that. It would be like if we got a linebacker who was some people showing signs of being as good or better than Luke Keekley. And whether or not it's true or not, if you just said, Oh, this guy's better than Luke Keekley, it will take off. You'll talk about concussions in the NFL. Right. <laughs> You'll talk about what was going on in your life. That was, you know, and that discussion went wild, Cody. 
I think yeah, uh, man, because there's so many passionate fans on both sides now, Bryce. Lovely. And, what a good and talking us, point. You know, and us former cam sexuals, you know. So it's former. like when you yeah, and by and this is what I said. No matter how good Bryce is, I'm not gonna do the revisionist history where I go back and just shit on Cam Newton no and way. do the comparisons. Because yeah. I know fans are gonna do that, right? Like if he balls the fuck out. Which I do anticipate him doing. I just said that earlier today. I'm not going to retroactively go back and be like, oh, dude, Cam could never do that type of shit. Because if he could or couldn't, it's beside the point. One of the things that we were arguing for years is that this Panthers organization refused to build around Cam Newton in the proper fashion. They never gave him the proper offensive line, like you said earlier with Gettleman, Tony. We never had the big-name wide receiver talent like a lot of these top uh, quarterbacks in the NFL do. And I'm just not going to go back and do the revisionist stuff to shit all over Cam Newton right. just to make Bryce yeah, look better than he is. Like, sure. That's the same Cam thing. is a part of our past, and I'm not just going to abandon him because we're living in the present with Bryce Young. Isn't that kind of the the what happens with like the LeBron and 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 Jordan debate? And I'm not saying greatest of all time uh, with Cam Newton, but right, right. just because you have a preference over one or the other, you want to diminish the value that a player had to his team, right? The the thing is, is like we talk about um, Bryce possibly being a better better than Cam Newton. That doesn't mean Cam Newton wasn't good. We are in a league that is constantly upgrading or becoming more and more talented. Um, to where there, you have to ask the question, are, are the people that we consider the all-time greats even capable of playing in a league like it is today, right? Um, because of the the advancements and technology and all that stuff. Like everybody, like we talk about uh, Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. Well, guess what? Patrick Mahomes is knocking on the door right now, right? As being the greatest of all time. He's got two Super Bowls. He's still very young for a quarterback. Um, and the dude just plays and in a, in a, has been lights out his entire career, not just for, you know, the, the back half of it. He started out his career incredible, right? But Tom Brady is going to largely be considered the greatest of all time. That doesn't mean Tom Brady wasn't a good player when Patrick Mahomes surpasses him. It just means that Patrick Mahomes was that much more incredible. Every single position gets better. When we say that we want somebody to be like a Luke, you know, like a Luke type player, um, or better than Luke. It's not because we think Luke was garbage. It's because we want these players are constantly getting better. They're constantly becoming more athletic. They're getting faster, stronger, and bigger. I think it's fair to expect that. And it doesn't diminish what the other players have given to the, the franchise. All can be true, too. And the thing that Cody says a lot, all can be true. Someone can turn out to be a better player. I almost think of like someone like uh, Steve Smith, a Julius Peppers, mm-hmm. a Cam Newton. A Luke Keekley, uh, as being similar to the person you lost your virginity to. Yeah. <laughs> and your first time. <laughs> well, there was there was something, at least like my experience was good, right? Like, and it was like there was something you had some sort of first real connection with somebody. I bet this is that like if I wonder this is like what the person you lost your like you would probably always it must be a pheromone thing. Like, I think I would honestly, 30 years later, I don't think it would be the worst again. So what I mean by that is I ain't going to base my whole life around it. I'm just saying this is Cam 
played Julius Peppers, Steve Smith. They played an important part in my life, like the girl I lost my virginity to. Played an important part in my life. Cody, we're going to go on to the next goal. Yep. Uh, also, C3 is JJ Cohen again. Had a quick thing I wanted to mention about like Bryce Young and how he's going to do this year. Um, I think I think it really all just depends how the coach is. Or, I mean, you know, we, we've always had talented players that were talented enough and good enough to get us five to seven wins over the past couple of years. It really is going to reflect on how well our coaching staff puts these players in a position to win. And it's going to reflect more so on the coaches this year than I think the players themselves, um, considering this new coaching regime or regime. So let, let, let me tell y'all, or let me, uh, hear how y'all feel about that, whether y'all feel this next season is going to be more of an indictment on the coaching staff or the players that we have at hand, how, like Either. whether we're talented enough to pass. make the playoffs or something like that. And I mean, we all know Bryce Young is going to have like 3,700 yards and like fucking 20 plus touchdowns mm. and hopefully less than 10 interceptions. That's the best. And, and of course, Mingo Magic all season. Hey, I'm coming in here. I'm coming in here with the heat when when, when Mingo gets that hundred yard game. Y'all don't want to catch me like that. I uh, um, I'll, I'll tell yeah. you this, Tony. I disagree. I don't think that everybody gets a free pass this year. No, not the no. coaches. I mean, the who, coaches who doesn't get a free pass. Actually, though. um, the, well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say the coaches don't get a free pass. I think a lot of the coaches are still going to have a free pass um, in, a, in a, a large way. Now, if our defense absolutely blows, I mean, I think there might have to be some accountability in this coaching staff this year. But, um, you know, outside of that, I, I think the players, I don't think there's uh, a, there's a few players that have no free pass whatsoever. It doesn't matter how well or bad we do. Um, or if you, you can blame it on our offense, uh, you know, uh, not being up to par or what. But you've got guys like Taylor Moten, you have guys like Ian Thomas. You have guys uh, that like Jeremy Chen right now playing in a very big role, like big, big year. Like if he doesn't perform, regardless of whether we can blame it on our new coordinators or not, these guys are all going to be held accountable for that. Um, so I don't think anybody gets a free pass at this point. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you guys about a black mirror. I, I hate that show but i'm going back and now my friend has convinced me i have to watch it i said i will never watch the first episode of black mirror again but it uh every episode is supposed to be completely different and i just watched this one where you could the you could it said your whole life or something it's only this it's the first season and your eyeballs were recorders and you could go back and watch your memories like like television and they were going back and looking at their own highlights. Like I'll go and look at YouTube highlights, like of Julius Peppers. Mm -hmm. And they were looking at their own highlights in life. They were like, oh, remember that Friday night I went home with that lady? Yeah. Let me go rewatch that shit. So uh, when we're talking about oh. the the going back of what Julius Peppers, what Cam Newton was, imagine if you can go watch your own highlights rather than the YouTubes, would it be better? Next call. Uh, hey, pause it real quick. Hey, what's up, C3 yeah, Dominique again? Calling in. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna dip out real quick. I'm gonna let uh Tony and uh, and CK carry the rest of the night. 
I, I will be back this Friday, uh, 7 p.m. for the Friday free for all. Um, Record and, it with uh, your eyeballs for me. Yeah, I will. <laughs> all right, hey, uh, peace and love. Everybody have a great night. And uh, y'all keep pounding. All right. Pounding. <laughs> Literally. Next call. Hey, yo. It won't be long. Hello. But, man, honestly, I forgot to point out one person on the defensive side. And I'm telling you, Jamie Robinson, keep an eye out on him this year, man. I'm telling you, the man looks hungry. He's coming in with a chip on his shoulder. He's, I think that man's really going to be something serious, man. I'm telling you. He's, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to be on the field. Not saying he's, he might be the starter, but he's definitely going to be on the field. No doubt about that. So, yeah, man, I'm excited about this defense, man. Of Amari Barno, I think he's going to have a good impact on this team. Speed, come off that edge quick. And, yeah, and then like Cody said, I know Cody's high on Brandon Smith, man. I really think, I really think this dude is going to step up. But, I mean, you know, we got to see. Wait till week one, see how that goes, see how the product is on the field. But other than that, I think this defense is going to be in good shape. Outside of our banged-up corners, man. But other than that, I think we're going to be pretty good, man. I think we're going to be pretty solid. So, yeah. So, appreciate you, C3. Take care. Every time someone mentions Brandon Smith, even Cody, I go, oh, yeah, that guy's on the team. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, he, the funny <laughs> never thing remember is, him. <laughs> he, he had some big plays. I mean, I think he got hurt last year, too, though. Um, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he have a few injuries or at least one injury? I mean, I think he was uh, he was able to play some uh, some uh, some of the defense, and I think he had some big time stops. But maybe I'm thinking about the other guy because it was so every time someone guy. says Barno, Barno, yeah, uh, and Brandon, like I'm like, oh yeah, they're on the team. Um, so yeah, we need one of those guys. Cody likes him a lot, so we do need. It would be nice. We're gonna ha- for us to be good. Is for us right now, we've talked about the optimism we've had uh, throughout everything at this, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that optimism to become reality, you're going to have to have people excel beyond their position. You're going to need a Brandon, somebody. Maybe it's Lou. You know, who is, there's going to have to be somebody that we're not really seeing that turns mm-hmm. out to be very good. So maybe it's Brandon Smith. Maybe it's Frankie Louvu. Maybe it's Amari Barno. Maybe it's YGM. Please, one of them. Damn it. Goodness, uh, please. Yeah. Next call. Hey, guys. It's the girl that makes them howl, a.k.a. Joey the Blind Panther. I haven't called in for a while because, I mean, the offseason's so dead, it's been shutting my ass up. But... You didn't think nothing was going to shut me up for long, did you? Okay, you did good. You ain't stupid. But you talking about Tommy Trimble saying things that uh, they were never coached up about about passing concepts and shit. And you know what? Tommy Trimble showed flashes even when Matt fucking fool was here, you know, being an idiot you know, causing panther traumatic stress disorder. Matter of fact, <laughs> I was on paratransit and they had me go, but I was on, I was like two miles from my house. They had us backtrack to where I was five or six miles from my house. Then pass another person stop. And I said, well, damn, this done triggered my panther traumatic stress disorder mm. because these dispatchers can't run routes 
as good as Matt Rule's right wide receivers can, and they suck. But, yeah, it's no surprise to me that Matt Fool and his bunch of cronies, bunch of idiots, weren't coaching them up right to do pass, you know, to do what they needed to do. And you know what? We owe Teddy Bridgewater an apology because he was right about one thing. They didn't practice red zone. And you know what, Teddy? You weren't a right fit for us. You weren't what everybody thought you were going to be. You were coming into a tough situation, filling in the shoes of perhaps the greatest quarterback that the Panthers have ever had. Teddy, you were right. Matt Rule wasn't teaching you shit. But, uh, you know, Right, you live and you learn, I guess. Said he's bouncing around the league back with his hometown team in Miami. But, yeah, I'm so excited now. Like, now that people like Tommy Tremble, TMJ, all those people that were showing flashes, I'm so excited now that they're being coached up. They've gotten around real NFL coaching. And maybe, just maybe, Ty Smith will be – really good so that I can continue to see his hot ass cousin every year at fan fest. Oh, anyway, guys, well, can you see her? Wow. 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 Joey can't see her actually. Wakanda forever. <laughs> um, love you, Joey. Next call. Hey, what's good fellas? Uh, it's Corey calling in wanted to uh, give a little take, uh, just something that's been on my mind in the last like, few days uh, when it comes to the Panthers and, you know, making moves and stuff like that. Obviously, this offseason, um, I feel like the big, biggest moves that we made are already going to be made, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but I just mean just like in general, um, it's something I've been noticing. But, okay, let me, let me, matter of fact, I'm talking to the service. Let me, let me get to one point. So, right, honestly, Daniil Hunter is looking to be, uh, he, he looks look like he's available. Right for the right price, um, and I've seen like discourse on Twitter. People are like, should we trade for him? Should we not? Da, da, da. And a whole lot of Panthers fans are, you know, saying no uh, because you know he's he's looking for another contract. And obviously, you got Brian Burns, Gil Lumen in, uh, in the near future. But I just want to say, man, like when we're talking about like stacking up with talent and like getting premier players on this team, which that's what Daniel Hunter is. Whether you know, uh, I don't know if people realize it or not, but this dude's a fucking beast. Like he 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 got a major injury two years ago. Um, played five games before last, and then played a full season this past year. First full healthy season back, he got ten sacks after having I think twelve sacks the two healthy seasons prior, uh, back to back years. And he's just coming into uh, he's like 27, 28 years old now. So he's he's a stud, right? Would love to have him on the team, but people are saying they're a little bit you know hesitant because he's going to command a big contract. And it's like, y'all, this is this is a time frame now where the Panthers should be willing to give out these big contracts for the right player, mind you. That doesn't mean we should overpay for, you know, good players, but give them overpay just so they can get them on the team. But if we have somebody that's premier talent is available for us, and and there and, and and all we gotta do is sign to a big deal. This is the time where we where we can do that, right? We're obviously, we got Brian Burns' contract coming up. That's our main priority. Other than him, the 
Taylor Moten's cap hit is going to go up crazy next year, but there's really nothing that's locking us to it, man. We got Bryce Young for five years on a rookie deal, man. This is the time where we need to surround him with talent. Yeah. Now, obviously, I know we got Jeremy Chan, we got um, 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 J.C. Horn, uh, Derek Brown, uh, Icky Aquanu, right? Um, Dickie's another guy where we got another four years of him up for cheap. But these aren't guys that are all going to reset the market with their man. Like, I know we love him as Panthers fans, but Jeremy Chen isn't going to, you know, demand top six. Like, I, I don't I don't presume he would, right? He could fall out this year. I, you know, I don't know what the, the market is around the league and stuff like that. But all I'm saying is, man, when, when it comes to getting these players, this is the time now we can be aggressive. I'm going to run out of time. Hopefully I get part too small. But, but uh, yeah, you kind of appreciate y'all. Thank you for the call. That was Corey. Um, here's a bit of trivia for you, CK, and I'll ask the chat room this. is In 1995, the Panthers became the first NFL expansion team to defeat a reigning Super Bowl champion when they beat what team 13-7 to on the road in Week 10? So what we have to do to get this answer, we have to think of who was the Super Bowl champion in 1994. Put that out there for you guys to think about next here. Fun fact for the Carolina Panthers midway through the 2021 season, Christian McCaffrey became just the fourth player and the first running back to catch 350 career passes. So I guess he would be close. Is it the fourth all time in receptions? Interesting. So we're thinking about who was the Super Bowl champion in 90. What did I say? 94. And this is a tough one. It's a tough trivia. I'm going to play the next call as you guys think about this. What reserve running back averaged a team leading 29.8 yards on 10 kickoff returns for the 2020 Panthers? That one, a reserve who is a backup running back in 2020 who had an almost average 30 yards for kickoffs. Let's go to the next call. Let's see. Last one of the night, too. Hey, what's up, man? Part two of Corey's call. I'll be quick. My main uh, point being that money should not be the reason why we don't pull the trigger on these big moves. Now, um, saying I have to say, again, it's got to be for the right player. I'm not in the camp of overpaying for a guy simply because we have it. But when you got your guy on a rookie deal, obviously Bryce has yet to play. But if he is the guy that we hope he is, this is the time where we want to stack talent around him because we're going to have him for the cheap. Because as soon as that fifth-year option is up and we got to sign him you know, to a to a, a big deal, if he's the guy we think is going to be, fucking 30% of our cap is going straight to him anyway, right? So, again, I know we got these young guys. we got Derek Brown. Uh, Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn, who are have contracts on the horizon, but that's still a few years down the line. And again, we can't be out here playing scared because who's like we? What we don't want to happen is be two, three years in the Bryce Young career, still looking at his receiver core and saying, "Damn, you know, Bryce is good, but he can be a whole lot better if we give him a real number one receiver, right?" And obviously, those things come to the draft as well. We, we got young guys. Um, but again, man, this is, it takes a big splash of creation. It takes, it takes those different makers. So yeah, man, Brian Burns is going to get a big deal. That's what happens when you draft somebody in the first round and they end up being a great player. 
Yeah. But like, yeah, I'm just saying like, basically, scare money don't make no money, man. Like, let's let's go out, let's do the shit. Obviously, this off season isn't you know notwithstanding, but if the guys are out there to be had. And and we got to throw some money at them. That's exactly what 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 we need to do because uh, there's nothing else really tying us back right now. I, I think we just we're uh, I don't know. Panthers fans are a little like like I don't know. Just just, just got PTSD when it comes to these contracts or you know whatever it is, right? But we're not paying DJ Moore anymore. We're not paying Christian McCaffrey. Like we got a clean slate right now. So so now's the time to to you know stack up the talent. But uh, let me know what y'all think, man. I, I, I don't really have, like, a, like a huge, crazy take or anything like that. But, you know, that's a good call. Very, very good call. In fact, I would probably say that's the best call of the night, in my opinion. But yeah. we'll continue, and we just think about this, is we're all sitting here. We need, again, we talked about a lot of different options, whether you go out and sign this person in free agency, that person, if you trade, and all of these things. And it's going to seem hard for you to have everything, right? It's like going to yeah. the store as a kid and you just can't get every scoop of ice cream. You're like, hey, you can get three scoops right. and you can switch whatever ones. You, it can be your combo. But you can't get every scoop. And <laughs> the idea of just going is this is like, I just want to be cautious. I know, I, I know he said scare money don't make money, but maybe the money to be betting is next year. And, like, can we sure. get Brian Burns, make him an anchor? We have Thielen on a three-year deal. We have Miles Sanders on a three-year deal. We got Hayden Hurst or five-year deal. We got Hayden Hurst on a – like, we're not – the players, if they're good this year, they're also going to be there next year. Is this year just a, a year that we're going to get excited and attract some people and attract some attention to Carolina and next year be the year? I just don't know if I want to pay everything for this season and it still be a bunch of rookies. Right. Well, here's the thing I, I, I agree with. One of the things he said is, you know, if we're just talking about money, then sign one of these guys, right? Get right, one of these right. Guys. Like when we start talking about adding draft capital oh, man. or trading people away, um, that's when it's too rich for me. Like, I don't care the, the draft capital we're talking about, right? If, if it's anybody that's worth their salt, we're talking about too much if we're going to have to trade for him, period. Um, if we're talking about Ngakwe and trying to get him in here to try to, uh, you know, patch a hole on this defensive line for one year in hopes that maybe he turns it out, um, then that I'm fine with that. The other piece to this is if we can get through this year and even be sim- have a semblance of actual, like, a good offense and defense, like, we're on our way. That's going to attract, and if Bryce Young decide, comes out here and he balls out his rookie year, that's going to attract a lot of people here to the Panthers. And they're, you know, potentially, I shouldn't say that's going to, but potentially could attract people to the Panthers and maybe not cost as much, right? There's a lot of times you see these people, they talk about they what they got offers from other places, but they wanted to go to it a contender. And I think the Panthers have been out of that conversation for so long that uh that it's it's we we don't know what that feels like to have a, somebody want to come to the Panthers because we're you know a contender um and be willing to take a pay cut to do so I asked earlier in 1995 the Panthers became the first NFL expansion team to defeat a reigning Super Bowl champion when they beat what team 13-7 on week on the road in week 10 I was thinking either the out of the Redskins or the Cowboys Tim Estes was right. Ah, uh, the San Francisco 49ers. I wonder if that was a Steve Young team. 
95 or was the Jeff Garcia didn't win no damn no no it was either it was either yeah that that would have probably been Steve Young all right I also asked this this one's tough what reserve running back averaged a team leading 29.8 yards on 10 kickoff returns for the Panthers in 2020 you're gonna kill me with this answer. I know, like it's gonna be like I, I want to. I, I, it's the Blackshear type I, of player. I don't even remember. Yeah, I mean, at least I remember his name. I don't remember this guy at all. Trenton Cannon. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, I don't even remember him. Cannon. Yeah, I remember because we were talking about the Cannon. <laughs> all right. Uh, here we yeah, actually he was, got my. Go ahead. He was doing. He did a really good job on those. Uh, on those uh, returns. I, I that might have been one of the. Did he get hurt that year? Maybe. 2020 would have been Matt Rule's rookie yeah. season as coach. Mm. Um, uh, Kevin called in real quick to tell us about Drew Rosenhaus. Hey, Tony's White Chocolate Espresso. Listen, man, I tried to find the video of Tara Owens laughing at Drew Rosenhaus behind his back, and I can't find it anywhere. It's crazy. It's like been scrubbed from the internet. <laughs> like, I remember seeing it like on the best damn sports show period, like a long time ago. And um, I believe it was the next question interview. When he, when he was always saying next question, next question, but I can't find any, I found people talking about it, but can't find a video, but here it goes. Basically he's taking all the questions. And one of the reporters asked, Hey, what have you done for Drew? Uh, what have you done for T.O. besides getting him suspended from the team? Drew Rosetown says, next question. T.O. is looking at the ground while he, the reporter asked that. And then after he asked that, he kind of looks up at the reporter with a smirk, laughs, winks, and then points at him. I swear to God that happened. It's the funniest thing. They had it on Best Fans for Show, period. I can't believe I can't find any video whatsoever. It's fucking crazy. But that's what. Um, yeah, man. Speaking of scrub from the internet, I think the 2020 season has been scrubbed from my brain. CK, here's another one, and I didn't want to keep going with this. I got only two small ones that just stuck out to me. This has been scrubbed like Trenton Cannon for my brain. Who was the only player to return a punt for the Panthers in the 2020 season? I don't know. This is wild. I don't remember. I barely remember this part. This name, actually, I may have heard before. Trenton Cannon, I don't remember him at all. Sounds like a damn uh, bebop star or something to me. Um, the only player to return a punt for the Panthers in the 2020 season. Where is this guy at? Pharaoh Cooper. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, I remember cat. the name. I remember his name more Wasn't than I remember he the a tr- big name that we well, hold on. Pharaoh Cooper. I'm telling you, I think the 2020 a, season has been scrubbed from my brain. I think I got like a, what is it? The men in black, the, or I've got some PTSD about 2020. I don't remember any of I mean, I barely remember that name. Didn't he, was Cooper. he one of, was he? He averaged like 5.9 yards. On but didn't we, <laughs> didn't we Stop. sign him as like a, uh, like a big time uh, special team player that year. Like, wasn't he supposed to be the guy? I don't remember. I don't remember any of this. I'm telling you, professional career. He was with the Rams, the Cardinals, the Bengals, and the Cardinals again, and then he came to us. So he was like, he was just a uh... came from the Cardinals. Okay, I might remember that. 
He was he was yeah he was a Pro Bowler. He was selected in twenty uh, to the Pro Bowl in twenty seventeen as a return specialist. Here's the last one I'm gonna give you, and uh, this is one that we should be able to get. I can't even remember this, but this is late in the show. What uniform number did longtime starting defensive end Charles Johnson wear for the Panthers? Fifty eight or ninety eight? Ninety eight. Ninety eight. Sounds like a D tackle number. 90 peppers. 95. Sacha Rob got it. 95. We, yeah, yeah, that's it. I saw that and immediately I was like, yep, that's it. That's it. Big money. Big we should have known that because Rihanna was wearing that <laughs> jersey. Was she? Yeah, because it's it Derek Brown's Jackson? number two. I thought, oh, that's right. It was Derek Brown. Kyle, oh, man. Imagine if Rihanna was wearing the Carrie. What if that was a Carrie Collins jersey? What if it was the Brian Burns jersey awesome. and now it's zero and it's all pointless? <laughs> it is those shirts that we talked about uh, roaming around some country. Oh, yeah. Where you expect people to not have, but living on one handful of rice a day or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's the C3 Panthers podcast. We got one last segment. Oh, did you find it? Uh, I found something about it. This is Drew Rosenhaus on next question. Here, I'm going to share it. We'll see what they said about this moment. Uh, although he had oh, only played is- one year into a seven-year $48.6 million contract, Terrell felt like he had outperformed his contract. Oh, this is about a... Uh, okay. This is a book he wrote called Next Question. So I, it had to have been... It had to have happened. It had to have happened. If he wrote a book about this being next question, that tells me like he knows that this was something scrubbed that, from the internet, like yeah. Pharaoh Cooper and Trenton Cannon of my brain. All right. That's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by Carolina cat chronicles.com where every Tuesday. Oh no. Did we, we didn't do the news real quick is yeah. Well, that's the show. I don't know if there's anything else we talk. Oh, Stefan Diggs. You hear about that? Um, I heard that he left the uh, what is the mini camp uh, early. I don't know the details behind it though. That's it. Like as you have uh, some people, I don't know. Who knows what is? Let me see. I'll show you. I'll show you this. We got it in the show. The last thing it says was McDermott's this. very McDermott is very concerned that Diggs is not at mini camp. Is this the old show? Let's see, Cody left. This is the wrong presentation. Is it not in order here? Anyway, uh, yeah, the saga I sent him the message is he was there yesterday. First of all, this is uh, mandatory right now. You know, it's like it's the mandatory mini camp or whatever. So, and he's not. He was there yesterday and he left. And then he's posting on IG saying everybody don't know what they're talking about. Von Miller says he's with them. Josh Allen says I go to war with him. You know, Josh Allen's smart. He knows where his bread's buttered when it comes to you got to keep the the receiver, the diva receiver happy. Um, and then the only other bit of news was. Why did I not get the presentation that I made? So you got Stefan Diggs. Oh, Joe Burrow says this. And this is great. Joe Burrow is the man. I love Joe Burrow. He's ice yep. cold. 
He said, uh, I don't think they're, they asked about who's the world's best quarterback right now. And he said this, I don't think there's any argument. It's Patrick Mahomes. Until someone has a better year than he signed, he's the one to knock off. Right. Joe Burr is going after that money. He's ice cold. He's cool as can be. That's yeah, the C3 disagree. Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. It's a long-running show. Even we got nothing to talk about. We pass three hours. We've got one final segment, the longest running segment on the longest running podcast on the longest running Tuesday. You've ever been a part about let's ice some fools. up. Ice up, son. Ice up. It's our homage to Steve Smith, where we tell someone to ice up toughen up to get it together. Everyone is fair game. The world is uh, your oyster, CK. Mm-hmm. Do you have a ice up pick? I got two, and one just Whoa. came in to me about 30 seconds ago. So okay. I had to. I had to. Love it. Do you want to go first or what? No, I want you know I want you to go first. All right, all right. Two of mine. The first one is going to be my original one, and uh, this is around because I'm, uh, you know, uh, had did the streaming thing for a little while, and um, we've largely, I think, many people uh, would agree that cancel culture is just an absolute. Just <laughs> the majority of the world agrees it's absolute lunacy, um, and. Uh, so I'll, I'll tell you about a couple of streamers. There's a guy named uh, Tim the Tatman and another guy, um, Nick Merckx. They're two of the biggest streamers in the entire world. Um, million dollar, you know, make millions probably monthly, to be quite honest with you. Right. And I'm not feeling sorry for these guys. Don't get me wrong. Um, like they're they're making their money, but they have worked their asses off. Right. They're streamers. Right. I mean, streamers is not easy. I mean, streaming's not a. Uh, a lot of people think it's an easy gig. It's not an easy gig. It, you put a lot of work, a lot of hours you in that you don't play on stream too. Right. Um, you, you do have to be talented. And uh, and so these guys have finally gotten an operator in, like basically they've gotten their own operator in the game of Call of Duty. So basically you could buy a bundle that has, like basically you can play as Nick Merckx in Call of Duty or or Tim the Tatman like, in Call of Duty. loadout or something or his skin? Load, his, like his look. You've got his look okay, like his, he's cool. scanned they made the it like the yeah. game recognized it, right? Know. Exactly. Um, well, there was a, a whole news article about something on Twitter about the you know teaching LGBTQ approved like material in schools and things like that. And his he tweeted, he's like, um, he didn't even comment on anything. He said, I just think it makes sense to leave the kids alone. He's a new father, by the way, brand new father. Um, and that's all he tweeted What's and it caused an uproar, uproar, people calling him a bigot and all this stuff. Call of duty removed his, his bundle, removed oh, him from the game. The okay. Bitches, and they said, um, we, we've decided to do this because we want to celebrate pride with our employees and the people. And I'm like, Oh my God. Um, anyway, so number one, nobody in his statement said anything about the LGBTQ community, right? right. Nobody, right. not a single person, right? But they came and attacked him immediately, like without question. Like as a parent, that's like the decision to be able to talk about the 
uh, you know, birds and the bees with your children. You have the right. They actually have to send home a permission slip to let your kids be taught in school with that if you don't want to be the one to do that. At least here, they do, right? So there's, like, as a parent, I feel like you have say in a free country to be able to decide what your children learn and what they don't, especially in a public environment like that. So nonetheless, um, he got his stuff removed. Um, well, the other two biggest streamers, Tim the Tatman and Dr. Disrespect, who, by the way, is considered... His literal the name is Dr. Disrespect. Though. Right. Like, they I mean, are get all... ready to be disrespected. Dude, I can tell you right now, like, we want to talk about what, what happened with Bud Light. It's about to happen to Call of Duty. Like, it's, it's going to happen. I'm sorry to say it's going to happen. As many people love that game or play it, they were already hemorrhaging players. Nobody, it's gonna, it's going just to get worse. It so much, too. Right. So I'm going to say to Call of Duty and this cancel culture ISEP, you know, this cancel culture situation in the world that we live in, if by the minority of people, by the way, I believe the yeah, majority of the much. world do not agree with the mindset that people have within cancel culture. So um, I want to say ice up to them. Hold now, on. Before you go to your next one, I'm going to share this. As I want to put this. this uh, do it. This is the best book I've read in about mm -hmm. 10 years. I read a lot or a decent amount. Yeah. This is one of the better books that I've read, memorable books that I've read in about a decade. Guns. I mean, I have a couple that I would put out there. It's hard for you to make that list in my life. Yeah. Uh, this is lit is written by two educational psychologists. They're both lib identified left and they're calling out their own. Right. Like this is, it's very right. compelling. It's very authentic. It's called the coddling of the American mind. Uh, one of these guys, I think it's Jonathan hate runs this thing called fire, which is a free speech organization. So liberals were actually, and this is what they, one great point at the end of the book, they talk about is liberals at one point, were known for supporting free speech. Yeah. And now they've been the speech police. But the only reason I bring this up, uh, obviously to extend the show, but um, they, what they take is this, is they say one of the problems that we're facing with me social media, with the way our culture exists is taking a small thing and making it the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not that there's, you're not, you don't have to say that something was right. You don't have to, but to say what that person, all right. So how actually is this is we we're not very good at just accepting people who just don't fit our mindset, like whatever yeah. we got to say. And so the fact is, is the threatening part about the guy that just said this is I think we should let kids it's not even directed at one group. It's like, I mean, you are taking it and you're extrapolating it to the most right. infinite negative possibility. And they actually say this is a cultural problem in this book is that we assume the worst, right? Like the very worst of like what the intent was, what this, and then we're threatened to, telling you the coddling of the american mind how good intentions and bad ideas are setting up a generation for failure mm -hmm. one of the best books i've read in a decade um i'm gonna suggest a movie to what you. you're talking about uh i'm gonna suggest a movie to you just to you know and this is just as a um this isn't a movie about republican or democrat it's kind of a um we you know a uh an eye-opening film. Uh, it's called The Plandemic Three. 
it's the great awakening and you can find it on rumble anybody who wants to go check that out um it's uh it goes into a lot of depth and kind of paints the picture of uh, what's happened over the past three to four years um and how um you you would be led to believe that everybody else believes the same thing in all reality most people were feel exactly like you do most humans are not unique in the the mindset that they think of and so when you to to feel like you're unique and 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 I don't mean it like in a negative way, but to feel like you're the only person who believes a certain way is is absolutely um, not true. The majority of the country and the world would probably side with you know um, most people reality. into the middle. Yeah, that's another thing these liberal ass people said in this book that was so awesome is that yeah. we actually don't disagree. Is it's this we've been hijacked. Yeah. Our discussions have been hijacked by these radical minority of opinions where most people even take the most controversial topic, say like abortion, is that find a like a just a reasonable liberal and a reasonable conservative and just say lay out your positions. Most people, there's a lot of commonality actually in the positions it's the extreme people that are like, oh, well, you're going to kill a baby when it's walking out of the womb. And then there's the other group of people that you're like, oh, you won't let someone who was raped by their uncle in 12. They're using the most extremist examples. Right. And most everybody falls in the middle. Yeah, we do. Yeah. It's like if you're a liberal, you actually understand a lot of people who like appreciate life or, you know, or whatever, whatever it is. Right. We don't. Nobody is calling for us to kill like hogs. Right. Anyway. Anyway, but yeah. it was hijacked, hijacked. Yeah. So my second ice up is going to uh, the NFL writer, NFL.com writer, Kevin Patra. Okay, Patra, whatever his name is. He wrote an article, and I'm just reading this, and this is from two days ago. Nine best new veteran QB wide receiver combos for the 2023 NFL season. Uh, many of these I think we could probably agree on. You got Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson at number one. You have Lamar and Odell Beckham at number two. You have Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley at number three. Um, this one I'm I'm a little bit uh, you know hesitant on, but Derek Carr and Chris Olave at number four. Number five is Justin Fields and DJ Moore. Number six is Jimmy Garoppolo and Devontae Adams, even though Jimmy Garoppolo is a huge question mark. Dak Prescott and Brandon Cooks is an interesting one. It's weird, but I I will even accept that. But the number eight on this list, <laughs> Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans. Are you? Mike Evans is awesome, no, though. He might be, he's but old. Baker Mayfield old. isn't going to be able to find him on the field. Like, he's not going to be able to do anything. Like, you're talking about, uh, app, <laughs> you could have stopped at seven. You could have just said seven right. of the top. Five. We could have right. just gone with the top five. Five, right. You could have done that. But you added eight for Baker and Mac Jones and Juju Smith at number nine. <laughs> oh like, my god! Like you, searching for content. He had a he had a word uh, a goal like he had a he had to put a goal out there for the wo- number of words he had to have in that article, and that's the only reason he filled it up with those two last people. Um, absolutely hysterical, just an absolute mockery and a joke of a reporter in journalism and NFL. Um, I just I can't even fathom a world in which like this is i want to i want to read you what he says um i expect mayfield to win the starting gig over greenhorn kyle trask in training camp 
the former number one overall pick remains a gunslinger who can still throw a deep ball when his head isn't spinning under pressure. Like, come on. <laughs> you used one game last year against the Rams, or when he was on the Rams, as a like catalyst to think Baker Mayfield is going to be incredible. Like, the dude came in with no practice. Like, he literally just got lucky on that throw. There is nothing else to say about that throw he had other than that was luck that got them that win in that game. Absolutely hysterical. Ice up. It shows you the ice up. Of the, this the news cycle, man. It's just like know, nothing. he's got to write a story. This poor guy's got a job. He, he's to fine do. to he write can't. that. He's fine to write that. But you didn't need eight, nine on that. Right. He should have stopped at five. Right. You're right. Um, so he would have been better up. off putting Andy Dalton and uh, and Adam Thielen on that list. Oh, even though yeah, Andy I, you, Dalton. No, right? that would far. Yes. Well, even though we know Andy Dalton, Mike Evans be is the reason that carries that. Is like, is I don't want to disrespect Mike Evans, but at some point he's got to age. This isn't about the best wide receiver; it's about the best wide receiver quarterback combo, right? right? So nobody would have put DJ Moore in that list if it was uh, if that was Teddy Bridgewater on that list. All right, this is my ice up. I only got one. I'm not going crazy. Uh, I wish I can make it. Maybe I can make it bigger. Oh, oh gosh. Oh my god. This is I saw this. It said biggest regret is on shitty tattoos on Reddit right now. I saw this picture right here. Um <laughs> I don't even know what this I mean, ice up. It's my first thing. My second thing is like all right, so for so for people that are oh oh I didn't even think about that in the background but for people that are listening to this this guy got a tattoo and it's like a body below his neck yeah but it's like a miniature body if this reminds me of a person from Mad Max or Mad Max Road Fury yes. or something it's yes. just like this is a little guy riding on the back of a giant person but he's got a tattoo of this little person on his own body so it looks like he is a regular person and a mini person what is the mini person doing are they driving a go-kart i can't tell if he's supposed to be operating the body like men in black maybe looks like he's driving a go-kart I don't understand. But yeah, it's so this is I'm icing up this tattoo, this part. And then imagine if you're the you're like you're a little bit older, right? And you're out of your Mad Max Fury Roads season of your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you get a decent job and you take a beautiful woman on a date, you look good. She looks good. Everybody's feeling the fireworks in this. And you get back. You have to preempt it. Like she would be like, what would be the feeling of being that person that was like, he's going to be a never nude. Why is it a little person? He's got to be a never nude. Like in that situation. Like you never heard of never nudes. No, it's people that refuse to get nude. Like around other people. Like, Ah, like even, you know, okay. the the never take your shirt off, even around your spouse. You're like, I'm like going that, right? in the pool, but I'm wearing a right. T-shirt. Right, I'm exactly. always going to have sex with a T-shirt. Right. right, right, exactly. So that's what this guy's got. He's going to be wearing a wife beer <laughs> every time he goes. Never, <laughs> dude. It's awesome. This, uh, this tattoo, 
Bro, and the guy that did it. He knew. <laughs> <laughs> Ice up to all of this. All right, that's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. My name is Tony Dunn. You can follow me at cat underscore chronicles. Like, subscribe, call in at 252-228-5098. Consider being a C3 super fan and CK, you're a C3 just super dude. Man, um, I guess Get home to your family. What do you want them to know about? Follow you on Twitter, right? Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Codizzle Allen. Um, and you'll see me here on Tuesday nights, occasionally Friday night, and then uh, be on the lookout for um, the training camp schedule so you guys can uh, plan to make your way out there for training camp for that first week. I'm not planning on being out there for a whole week, but planning on being uh. out there for two or three days. Um, and uh, we're going to be trying to maybe do some sort of a C3 meetup or something like that. And uh, the monster subs and grub, homie. Yeah, monster subs and grub, and uh, get some, uh, get some nice, you know, get, get listen, let's support some Panthers fans and some C3 fans. Uh, and that's Monster Marinara who owns that, uh, that restaurant. He's a, uh, uh, a supporter of the podcast and a uh, contributor here as well. So, absolutely, uh, uh, keep that in mind as you start to hear the announcement of those dates coming probably the next week or two. Thanks, Muscles. Let's get out of here. We'll see you next Tuesday, Friday, and every time we just get the itch to go and talk about the Carolina Panthers. <laughs>